Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast that has absolutely no problem letting Dick Dawson kiss us on the lips. I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are the heads of programming in this year, Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher-ups, our bosses, the drive-in gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed double bill for the ravenous hordes of mutants and madmen outside our projection room door. But... We can't do it alone, so we've got a special guest programmer to help us out. Our guest today is no stranger to weird and psychotronic films. He's the co-founder, co-host, and programmer of Second Screen Cult Cinema, a monthly film series right here in Tampa, Florida, that specializes in unconventional and, most of all, unforgettable cult films. Welcome to the drive-in, Michael Marks! Hey, fellas. Hey, man. How's it going? Fancy seeing you gents here. Wow, how weird. And you live here. I do. (laughs) Not in the drive-in, but... No. Oh, right. Oh, right. Uh, (laughs) Little peek behind the curtain. (laughs) Nobody knows that it's Don't show them how the sausage is made. (laughs) Hey, man, thanks for being here. Uh, I can't wait to get into insanity with you tonight agreed thank you for having me yeah man of course uh how about you know what though before we get into it officially let's just get down to some bills oh we got them we can we just do it yeah get it done all right here's the deal guys it would be awesome if you like the show to go on to apple podcasts or spotify and rate and review the show it actually goes a long way to pushing the show to the masses to see it makes us just feel good yeah so also, oh, oh my God! Also, also, if you if you really also like the show, also you can. I'm doing like what they do in the Indiana Jones trailer, where they just say "believe" a lot. I'm just saying "also" a lot. Okay. Um, you guys, we have a brand new Patreon, yes. and you can go. Yeah, it's fun. You, look, all you got to do it's real simple. If you go to Patreon.com/slash Dead City Drive-In, you can become your choice a mutant. A maniac or a madman. It's all entirely up to you. It's a fluid term. Okay, that's fine. Here's the deal, guys. Over at our Patreon, it's so fucking cool. Um, You've got, look, we've got bonus episodes that we do. Two bonus episodes a month is what we do over there. Yes. And, you know, there's a fun little community of people hanging out and looking at pictures that we post that nobody else gets to see. Mm -hmm. There's little secrets happening over there in that Patreon. Um, All I have to say is just, you guys remember what Burt Reynolds did? Brandon does it too. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, well, what Burt Reynolds was famous for doing in the 70s. Beating his wife? Popular. Growing a mustache? Uh, Well, yes. (laughs) Lying on a bearskin rug. Oh, of course. Yes. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. There are pictures of Chris and I nude on bearskin rugs. Thirst trap. Yeah. So uh, you'll get that there too. But also there's special watch along commentaries that you guys get to pick. 
And we got all sorts of really fun bonus episodes that, honestly, I don't want to surprise. And I don't some want to swag, spoil. too. And swag. Ooh. Everybody that signs up gets their choice of a, a, a holographic Mummies Love Dead City Drive-In sticker or a neon-stained, glow-in-the-dark barf bag. Dead City barf bag. Oh, that's Dead cool. Dead City barf bag. Which can be used for lots of things. Actually, you know the uh, the Postal Service will accept them as an envelope that's for letters. very so you true. you can mail a barf bag. So, guys, all you got to do, just patreon.com slash Dead City Drive-In. If you want to subscribe, you want to throw a couple of bucks our way, whatever you want to do, there it is. There we go. Business yeah. done. And it's all going back into the show, guys, so we can bring you more awesome shit. Guys, I have a question. The, there's all week this question has been eating me up. And when I say eating, I, and also, well, eating me out, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, gross. We're working blue tonight, fellas. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're Spicy. so saucy. Yeah, really. <laughs> What's happened to me? Extra, He's like, well, I decided spice. to hide the candy. <laughs> so come and eat me out. <laughs> oh, God. Look, I'm dying to know. Uh, and I'll, Mike, I want to hear from you first. Okay. What is the greatest game show of all time that is a really that's a really tough question to answer i i you know i was a child of the 80s as i suspect both of you were um so that was to me that's like the peak of game shows yeah other other than the the 70s of course Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know you got that kind of residual 1970s uh vibe going they hadn't Um, really changed any of the sets over from the 70s well that's what's so great Yeah. yeah um I want to say Price is Right, but part of me really loved Pressure Luck, and that was because of no the whammies. whammies. Not, okay, the whammies. Yeah. You like those whammies? I like those fucking whammies. Those little fuckers. Those whammies were just, you know, that, that I, I think as I got a little bit older, as a child, it was definitely Pressure Luck. I got a little, you know, 10 years old or whatever, I switched to Price is Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big Bob wheel. Bob Barker's the man. Yeah. He sure is. But yeah. I so still think, favorite. you know, that Wink Martindale was a... Game show host God. Okay, so what? Okay. So your favorite game show? You think the greatest game show of all time? Tic Tac Doe, man. Tic Tac Doe. Oh, yes. nice. Tic Tac Doe. Wow. A I don't. Deep, I, I don't even cut. know it. That's I don't even know cut. it. Yeah. It's Damn, almost dude. you know. It's another one that's kind of like, kind of like Hollywood Squares, but not really. Was Charles Nelson Riley on it? No, because they didn't really have celebrities. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this one, it was like Wink was the man. They didn't have the budget. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so what, what's the plot of that? I, I, I don't uh, know. People it. would I'm... answer questions, and you'd be able to kind of fill in a spot on a tic-tac-toe board against, you know, one person was X, one person was O. This is the and best they could, board game. They could the go through and win, well, because of Wink Martindale. Wow, you, you like, love that Wink. Part of, definitely. He was a great. And actually, I think he did more than one game show, too. He was hosting quite a few other things. At one point, I think he was hosting Press Your Luck, too. And, of course, he was known in West Hollywood as Twink Martindale. No, that was his brother. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah. That's a mistake. <laughs> yeah, he had the scar on the right side of his face. Is that everything. what it was? Yes, it was a scar? It was a scar. I thought it was just another kind of like liquidy... Well, right. No, it was a scar. Got it. it. A scar. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's collodion, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I like... I, My determination, and, and like you too, uh, Chris, my determination for best game show usually comes down to the host. Mm-hmm. So while I enjoy Pressure Luck for the game yeah. aspect of it, um, Peter Tamarkin is oh, not yeah. not up there for me. He's not That's one fair. of my completely fair. He's he's mm-hmm. a little he's just a little uh, blando for me. He is. Um, and uh, you know, Wink is great, but from a different era. Uh, I think bar none, 
bar none, the the greatest game show host and game show of all time is Bob Barker and The Price is Right. It's a perfectly designed game. It really is. Great set. We watch a lot of old game shows in our house. Um, if you guys, I mean, on th- there's a buzzer channel. Yeah, and yeah. it only airs. Is it on Tubi? It's on Tubi. You get Price is Right episodes from 1983 and it's uh, and, and earlier. And it's fucking incredible. It's like a stepping into an alternate universe of beauty. Um, they also have uh, older shows on there, too. Or Holly. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, but older shows too, like uh, I, I've been really getting into Card Sharks with Jim Perry. Oh, okay. Not fucking Bob Eubanks. Yeah, fuck that guy. No Bob Eubanks for me. No, I, I was used to him doing what was the Newlywed Game? Newlywed Game. He's just he's like a eh. misogynist. He, I yeah, just don't just like throw him. Some shit out there. Who are some of these great game show hosts creep. though? Well, well, let's leave the one, the number one for last. But you know, I'm a big fan of Gene Rayburn. Okay, yeah, I love Gene one. Rayburn. Rayburn's good. Monty Hall. Monty Hall. I, I think he's up there. I Monty Hall weirds me out a little. I don't know. There's something about him that I'm always. I've always been like, Meow. maybe it's the game. I think it's the people dressed up in the game show that weird me <laughs> out the most. <laughs> it's not the host. It's Trebek. not so much yeah. the host. Alex Trebek is great brooding. A great yeah. brooding host, and he did a Ooh, sorry, concentration, sorry. classic yep. concentration, oh, that's right? Yeah. Before yeah. he started doing Jeopardy, I, I I really like Trebek. I'd put him up there and up there in the best top top three. We have a, a ongoing list at my house of like we we're trying to rank all of the game show hosts. Yeah. What about so you mentioned Dawson earlier? How do you, what are your thoughts on Dawson? I mean, Dick Dawson is up there with the best. Mm-hmm. What's crazy to me about Richard Dawson he is an actor first and foremost. First and foremost, and it shows... Hogan's Heroes, come on. Hogan's Heroes, he was a stand-up yeah. comedian. And a Brit. Yeah, he was. He was an expatriate. Um, uh, but, like, the thing about uh, uh, Dawson, uh, Dawson mm-hmm. is that he was prone to bad moods. Yeah. And he was, while he's a pro, he... he that dude, um, you can tell when he's not having it. And mm-hmm. especially like on Match Game, which is one of my favorite game shows of all time as well. Like there was an era where he was like the big star because of Family Feud. And he was like, I, ref- I-, I get me out of my contract of doing Match Game. I'm doing like 20 shows a week, guys. And they wouldn't let him out. So he just was a bitch on so Match Game. Kind of had a little tantrum about it. He was just, yeah, he would, he would pout all the yeah. time. And he already Fucking looks actors. kind of pouty because he's a really dry <laughs> sense of humor, you know? Um, yeah, but, but Richard Dawson, you could always tell was in a bad mood. Yeah. And I also know that it's easy to like go, and he was also a pervert kissing people on the women on the lips. Sure. I'm gonna guys real quick, just pause it to you. One thing. I don't know what the, some, somehow in our culture, something has shifted because it is not appropriate to do a quick peck on the lips any longer. Now, Okay, like that's something you don't do as a greeting anymore. You just don't do it. And yet it is appropriate to hug somebody. And it blows my mind that you could just do the t- a tiny sliver of your physical body of lips quickly. Most of the time you don't even really touch. You just do the to each other. And that's it. Whereas hugging, you're putting your fucking pelvis and all up on a person's body and you're pushing their I think AIDS has something to, to do with you. this. Oh, Oh shit, yeah, dude! That's a that's a really good. Not point. because we're a bunch of whiny bitches. It's because AIDS. I think people thought you know with the lips you could potentially swap 
bodily fluids, you know, yeah. saliva to saliva. And even though there's all the evidence that proves like the likelihood of transferring, you know, a disease through a kiss oh. like that. Uh, but I think that had a lot to do with it. Wow. I didn't even consider he that. Shut, he shut that down on you, man. He did. Yeah, like, Sorry, dude. He did. I was working that. on my tight five yeah, and now that, I can't do that it. That is just like, ruined. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could have <laughs> worked on the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Whammy! Yeah. <laughs> well, you posited and when you posit, I start to deposit. So... <laughs> Well, cool. Guys, what's great about this is at least we get to live in a world, although I'll tell you, to this day, I still watch a game show, like a modern game show, and I'm always like, well, tell them what they didn't win, you know, when you lose. And I'm like, well, now, unfortunately, you lost. You go out back, and we're going to execute you. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Gun to the back of the head. Sorry you lost. I always laugh and think, like, that's the way every game show should end with the losers just getting fucking mm-hmm. murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fucked up and bleak, but Actual I don't think we're getting closer. I think that mm-hmm. far off. I mean, reality television basically mm-hmm. does that. So I mean, um, we've got room. legislatures around the country that are pretty much going for public execution. You That's know, right. public sure execution. Do. So hey, oh, what a great time to be alive, <laughs> <you> guys! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> USA, USA. USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because I think it's the time. To get a little subversive and program some fucked up game shows for this world. All right, man. And there's nothing better Love it. than some fucking end of the world style game shows. And Mike, I'm so excited because you've brought a movie tonight. I have. To go as our headlining feature. And I can't wait to talk about it. Mike, what movie is it? One of my favorite movies to see at the drive-in. But just in general, it's such a fun movie. Death Race 2000. The year 2000. America is a vast speedway. People line the streets to witness the greatest drivers on earth in a race from sea to shining sea. This is a death race. You finish first, or not at all. Death Race 2000. Every car a deadly weapon. Every spectator a potential point. cross-country road wreck, and the traffic is murder. Who are you, anyway? Best driver on earth. I don't want you to die. He was built by the world's finest surgeons to drive the fastest car ever designed, and nothing can stop him now. Death Race 2000, rated R. So, yeah, came out in 1975, uh, directed by Paul Bartel. Um, who is famous for eating Raoul, um, which but, came out in '82. But when there were no leftovers after that, right? so he's famous. What, what about the movies that he made? Well, he if made he's lot. famous for eating, so <laughs> God, Jesus, I'm sorry. What a terrible. Mate, I'm, gonna I'm get, just. I'm gonna get. Through, I'm gonna get through these credits. And, and I do want to talk. I want to go back to Paul Bartel because I do have. Yeah. Because I did not realize who he was the first time I saw this movie. Oh. Um. Which the first time I saw this movie was on a double bill with Tulane Blacktop. Oh. <gasps> Little yeah. car car exploitation. Hell yeah, I think this was the second film. Uh, this was programmed by me. By the way, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> so you didn't a just double bill. Show up. I didn't somewhere. just show up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wasn't. No, was this at, a like, second New Beverly screen, or something? Um, a second screen um, uh, double we're, bill. So we're, no, no, this is actually one I I did at home. Oh, um, okay. So this was yeah, like yeah. a double bill. Yes. I made it sound more fancy That's than it okay. actually no, was. That works. Um, but, it makes uh, your evenings more fun when it, you it, turn it into it an does. event. Um, and I, I will say that if, if you ever think about showing those movies on a double bill, show Tulane Blacktop first. Especially okay. if you're familiar with the end of that film and then 
Death Race 2000 is just chef's kiss. I know? mean, it is your breath of fresh air. Dude, you're right, Mwah. because it's like a uh, uh, sequencing of an album. You know, you want the track order to be right. Well, so. that's an art it that's is. being lost, too. Oh, yeah, so. well, albums and are that's, being Honestly, that's a, that's a whole other conversation with programming in general. I feel like program a, a really good program is almost like a really good DJ set. Yeah. Make Stay some... tuned for our next uh, podcast, a sequence break. Oh, I don't know. Is that one we could do? Yeah. Or we just sure. talk about music? <laughs> sequencing yeah, albums? I mean, great. Honestly, that, that, that thing that we're talking about right here is, is key to what we do this show for, is that we're really trying to kind of curate and put together the best double bill that we can think of. So, I mean, I really it. finding... You know, it's like pairing a fine wine or a nice malty beverage with a meal. You know, you got to yeah. find the things, indeed, the through lines that uh, that connect the two together, and really leading one into the other. Order is important. You can have two movies that are going to be great as a double feature, but you really got to think about what are you going to show first and what are you going to show second. The, the sequencing is is yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, as it, it's as it's as important as the connective tissue yeah. between the two films um and the way they make you feel together not just separately yeah um, yeah so um anyway i, I don't want to go too far down that no we'll we don't deviate we never go off topic i, I, I listen to your never. show you guys are very straight and narrow um there's no riffing whatsoever None. No. no tangents strictly scripted a little show. scared to come here honestly yeah. you guys are total fucking pros yeah well so, you, now you um, know you know every single word is scripted to a t it's you're I, reading I, a line i am reading off a teleprompter right now Every even Look, the laugh see right there. I'm the being cute right to there. laugh, right? <laughs> see, it's great. It's, it's the applause sign. It's so efficient. Uh, anyway, Brandon's pressing the button with his penis. <laughs> <laughs> so death race, death race 2000, directed by uh, Paul Paul Bartel. Of course, this is uh, this film's often credited to Roger Corman, who is the producer, who is the reason why the film exists. Um, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, written by Robert Tom and Chuck Griffith, uh, a.k.a. Charles B. Griffith. Uh, great writer. Did a lot of stuff for Corman, including one of my favorites, Bucket of Blood mm-hmm. uh, and Little Shop of Horrors. Great films. Um, and Demon of Paradise. And Demon of Paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, story by Ib Melkier. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Chris, for telling me how You're to welcome. pronounce his name properly. I would have butchered that. Uh, and starring a fresh off of Kung Fu, the series, David Carradine. <laughs> And people realized he wasn't Chinese and freaked the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Simone Griffith, Sylvester Stallone, uh, right before a year before he did Rocky, uh, and he's great in the movie. And a year after he did uh, Lords of Flatbush. That's right. And That's like right. six years after Party at Kitty and Studs. <laughs> How many years before Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> Stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> Ooh. <sighs> uh, Mary Warnov, Roberta Collins, who's fantastic, Martin Cove, and Don Steele. You spelled Martin Cove's name wrong, dude. I'm sorry. Typo. That's it. That's coming out of your that's, page. We're done. That's, the show's over. It. Good night. So, yep, yep. I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> Thought this was a professional outfit. <laughs> Clearly, I was mistaken. Um, I was. I saw Mary Warnov's name, and I was just thinking of Coves, <laughs> and I just kind of typed in, spelled it wrong. So mm-hmm. I apologize. So for yeah, the, you. Yeah, we know you have a thing for Mary. Warnoff. I love Mary Warnov. I love her. She's great. Oh my god, I love you her. You know, she's great. Um, for those of you out there who have not she seen got the film, by <laughs> <laughs> you broke me there. Uh, just a. You guys have seen the film, obviously, but for those of you out there who have not seen the film, um, it's in a dystopian future in America, uh, a fascist America, actually. Um, but basically, the film centers around a cross-country auto race, um, and it requires contestants 
the drivers of the race to run down innocent pedestrians to gain points that are tallied based on each kill's brutality. And they they detail this in the film, by yes, the way. It's, yes, you get a certain amount. Down, yeah. You get a certain amount for children, for elderly people, for sick people. Women, I think, are worth ten more points than men for some reason. Uh, and there's this whole, there's this great little minute and a half sequence oh, where they it's euthanasia break it down. day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's the synopsis. Yeah. Um, and if you're not sold already, stop. Uh, yeah, listening. So, <laughs> uh, here, so here, before I really get into why it's great. My I I was I was predisposed to love this movie because I loved Hanna Barbera's wacky races. Oh hell yes! Uh, and and Laugh Olympics, which kind of mm-hmm. rehashed some of yeah. the ra- the wacky races. So wa- wacky races was this cartoon that came out in 1968, so seven years before uh, this was released. Now it's never been said that. That Wacky Races was a direct influence of of this film, but it fucking had to yeah, be. Yeah, of course. It's, it's cartoon cars. You've got Sylvester Stallone playing Dick Dastardly, Hanna mm-hmm. Barbera, deep cut for you nerds out there. But where's Muttley? Yep. Well, that's there is not a Muttley. That's 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 the yeah. You need the Muttley. We can cue that Muttley laugh in. <laughs> Thank you. Now uh, I don't have to find the sample. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's now I'm gonna be easy. Snagglepuss next, right? So. Exit stage left. You know, Heavens to Murgatroyd. You don't, you don't have to, to to see Wacky Races to love this film, but because I was familiar with with Wacky Races, and which is basically a bunch of cartoon characters driving around in these ridiculous cars that have all kinds of ornate, uh, you know, secret uh, weapons, yeah, and decor and, and weapons. The OG and like. Mario Kart, exactly. It's the same premise where they're basically racing cross country. Competing each, each other, but <laughs> mm-hmm. where this film obviously deviates is they up the ante on violence, gore, and nudity. Yeah, but it's still zany and fun, and definitely a comedy. Yeah, and I black, think, and that's mm-hmm. more because of Paul Bar- Bartel than Roger Corman. So Roger Corman was trying to cash in on the hype leading up to Rollerball, which was kind of a similar premise, um, but to me the the satire doesn't land as well because it's, just, it's, it's a little not, on the nose it's, right yeah. it's not it's not over the top and like, it's not funny it's it, really it's just not, like well and the, here's the big thing it's not fun like, it's not fun that's a huge it's not fun at all although the sport is cool the sport and, and the, the sport idea sequences cool. are fun yeah. the idea is cool and it's got some great scenes but overall it's, i wouldn't describe it as a fun movie the, yeah the fir- the opening shot of the animated uh, car and the the soundtrack immediately is like oh shit i'm in that's you know what you're getting all hand drawn and everything I, i'm in yeah. and i think yes. they made it for like you know Two hundred dollars in a tin of bacon grease or something. It's <laughs> a <laughs> so Roger Corman budget, so you, you get this ridiculous. Well, actually, painting. I don't think Roger Corman knew about it. I heard a story where Paul Bartel hired this woman artist and stuff like that. He's like, "Can you can you do the title for me?" Yeah, and he went wound up pulling money out of the budget in order to do that, and wow. didn't tell Roger Corman about it because, of course, Roger Corman's notorious for being a penny pincher. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very yeah. shrewd yeah. businessman. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Um, and you know, so he's he's cashing in on the hype of it, but it was intended to be what well, at least Corman wanted it to be more of a straightforward violent action movie. Yeah, with with the, the science fiction you know narrative uh, framing the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas Bartel understood that it was campy and it needed to be feel campy and funny. So you've got that that dichotomy; these these two kind of ideas kind of clashing together, and I think that's why it succeeds without the humor. We wouldn't even be talking about it right I, now. 100%. Now, yeah. is this Bartel's, is this his first directorial feature? Yeah. So so Corman hired him to do, be, uh, as a second unit director, to do Big, big Bad Mama, Angie, Angie Dickinson. Yeah. 
um, which is is great. Classic uh, Corman. It's great. Mm-hmm. Classic um, Corman. So l- literally the year before. So then he gives him this film, and um, you know, and, and then after, like, uh, I guess seven years later is when Eating Rowell came out. Okay. Um, but what I didn't know when I first saw this film, which was probably about a decade ago now, um, I rewatched it again recently, um, and ba- Paul Bartel was a character actor who was in like 90 films and yes. TV shows. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I, not only did I, and I, it kind of blew me away because I'd seen his name before, but I didn't look him up or anything. Like, you know, I was just like, oh, okay. You know, um, because every, I feel like Corman's gang, all these famous directors worked for Corman at some point. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you ju- want to do a quick, try to do a rundown we, of like famous directors from, that came from the Corman area for those of you Scor- listening Martin Scorsese. Know? That's one. Yeah. Uh, um, Jonathan Demi, Joe Dante, mm-hmm. James Cameron, John Landis, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, that's true. Uh, uh, There's more. Oh, my God, I feel like an asshole. Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Alan Arkish. Alan Arkish. Um, He he did Caddyshack, too. (laughs) Did did De Palma do anything? No. no, I don't think he did. No, 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 he didn't. It feels Um, like he should because a lot of those new Hollywood guys did do stuff, minus Coppola, of course. Well, I don't know. Coppola, didn't he do some stuff with Corman? uh, Yeah, absolutely. Earlier. earlier. He he was one of four directors of the terror. And, of course, he he directed, yeah, Dementia 13, one of my my favorites. I forgot about that. If not Um, not my favorite Coppola film. (laughs) I fucking love Dementia 13. All right. Sorry, I don't want to derail too much. No. Um, Anyway, it's a real roster of uh, a real who's who. It's like the Dick Tracy villains of Hollywood (laughs) directors. Just incredible. Better looking. Better looking. Better looking people. Slightly. Yeah. Slightly. 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 Uh, Some of them are on par. Um, (laughs) But anyway, Paul, Paul, so when I look at Looking at you, Joe Dante, you ugly fuck. So Joe Dante cut cut the trailer for this film, which is a great trailer. They show all the money shots. They're they're showing off the big production value shots of the movie. Joe Dante cut, he and Alan Arkish cut every trailer Mm -hmm. for New World from like 1970. Right. To like 1970 or 1974, I yeah. think. Well, this came out in 75. This yeah. was for New, and thank you for mentioning New World Pictures, which was uh, Corman's production studio. Right. This came out at like the height of New World Pictures. Um, so Joe Dante was still cutting trailers in 75 because he did the trailer for this one. That's right. Now, yeah. but wait, when did Rollerball come out? 75. Same year? That's why he that's why he cashed in. It's the same year he, Jaws. It hadn't come Jaws? out yet. There was all this advanced hype, and Corman being the shrewd businessman that he is has always been, said, Okay, we're gonna make art we're gonna rush our film out wow. first. That's cool that he did it the same year because it took him three but they years couldn't get to get Norman do Jaws. Jewison to do it, right? So right. <laughs> right. So anyway, so Paul so Paul Bartel, I I look him up the first time I saw this after when I had that, that home uh double bill, um because I'm like, why is that name familiar? So I first saw him in Follow That Bird, the Sesame Street movie, <laughs> in 84. But more importantly, he's the theater manager in Gremlins 2. Yep. Um, and, and, and look, he's in like a hundred other movies. He was in Caddyshack 2. He was in... Alan Arkish film. I mean, yeah. Chopping Mall with Mary Warren Yes. Yep. Of course, he starred in Eating Rao, which he wrote and directed. Um, Amazon Women on the Moon. Amazon Women on the Moon, of course. John Landis. Um, he is, he's been in almost a hundred uh, films and TV Piranha. shows. Piranha, yeah. another Joe Dante. Joe Dante's is he in the film. Howling? Does he cameo in the Howling? I don't remember him in that, but I haven't seen. I him don't in a think while. maybe he doesn't. Yeah, I feel I like, I feel like he would have. I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, maybe he was busy. Anyway, yeah, Paul, I thought that was cool. Paul like, Bartel is wonderful. Like, as soon as I saw my re- every like everything that I'd seen him in, like rushed into my head. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, that that's Paul Bartel. He just very cool. he was such a um a cool like icon he, like. 
he was how do I say it? He was like the um the the weird artist friend that was like making these movies like you know how now Chris I I don't I know you love like the Andy Warhol Frankenstein movies like the Paul Morrissey <laughs> yeah. you know but like Paul Bartel was like the version of that that was really talented. You know what I mean? Like he was like he knew how to make a movie. He lived and breathed cinema. Yeah. So that was like his true language. But he had that same kind of like subversive artistic bent that made Well, isn't his... that actually doesn't he play the director in Hollywood Boulevard? Yes. He's yes. the director that's making the that's movie. That's making the movie. Yeah. Yes. Good uh, call. Paul Bartel is was a a, a cinematic treasure. Oh yeah. He really was. Absolutely. He truly Did you ever see his movie Private Parts? Have you guys no. ever? I, when you say private parts, I think of that Howard, Howard Stern. Stern. That's biopic. the one. Wait, he no, no, no. <laughs> uh, it's like really. No, he made a movie private part. Uh, Mike, that, that's like right up second uh, screens alley. Okay, it's, it's oh right up your God. damnation alley, dude. Man. You got you got to see it. Okay, I highly okay, recommend gonna... private parts. Is private parts. fucking nuts. Okay, great sleazy drive-in movie. Oh my God, I didn't what wanna... uh, what you, what year? I want approximately. You, so that's you know? why I was like asking because I feel like that movie was like made in nineteen seventy-two. Um, but I, I'm not, uh, a hundred percent, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Death Race 2000 was his debut as a director, at least for a feature length film. I don't know if he was doing short films or anything before that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to, I guess like, I mean, I'm not going to fuck around on this magic box and look for it, <laughs> but, um, anyway, we'll be, it's okay to be wrong on, on, on the show, right? You can be wrong. Yeah, I'll just edit in where I'm right. That's right. Here's where we edit see, in the see, right year. That, the movie came out in the year. You guys are drunk with power. 19. Blah, 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 <laughs> newbie. <laughs> drunk 1975. No, we're just drunk, dude. Yeah. <laughs> drunk on something. <laughs> Speak for uh, yourself, douche. Yeah, so, loser <laughs> over here. Um, got sober, found Jesus. <laughs> Private Parts was 72. It was. Oh, there you go. But who directed it? Paul Bartel. What? So he did Wait do it before. Now, but I don't so think he, he did, did it through Roger Corman. I think no, it was I like self so He directed 12 movies. Yeah. So Death so Race 2000, know. Eating Raul, Private Parts. So he did Private Cannonball, Parts. Cannonball, the original Cannonball. Yes, he did do Cannonball. With, uh, That's right. I was, uh, Cannonball uh, Adderley. Not Cannonball Adderley, no. Cannonball Run. Well, Cannonball Run's different. That's Hal Needham. Oh. Right, but the, but Cannonball's the same sort of thing, except you've got David Carradine in that one too. Right, wow, yeah, Lust in the Dust, which actually is kind of a parody of westerns, um, and also kind of like a Russ Meyer like sleazy. It's like it's like a well, R- Rustler's Rhapsody. You know that movie? Yeah, yeah. yes. So mm-hmm. it, Lust in the Dust is like it, they almost came out at the same time too, I think. But Paul Paul Bartel did that one, so it's a parody of westerns. Um, anyway, if you guys are in the mood for some subversive secret cinema, I, Paul Bartel is the is the guy to watch. Cinema, he directed that movie I know, too. I know. <laughs> 1977, I think that one came out. He's like the West Coast John Waters. There's, yeah, I think so. But but like with he just he was a little more subtle. He knew I was, how to I was be. Say yeah, John, John Waters is very uh, you know <laughs> yeah anything goes yeah kind, he, you know. he had an. Ed, uh, Paul Bartel has an edge, or had an edge, but he he was subtle. Although we're talking about Death Race 2000, which is like not subtle at all. Not not at all. Um, yeah, and, let's and get to back be, to that. And, and, to be, and to be fair, um, so it was he leaned more. I mentioned earlier he he leaned more into the the kind of satirical elements of the film. Yeah, he had a lot more jokes that were in the film that Roger Corman cut and inserted with these like 
you know, head exploding shots. Yeah, like, didn't they have to go and reshoot violence I, for no, the movie? They, they added the violence. They in, added yeah. it later. Corman, I forgot who he he uh, hired to go pick up those shots, but Bartel was not the guy I for that. They added that back. They added that in, which yeah. does honestly, which was a smart call too. I agree. Um, I mean, it does yeah. punctuate the film. It, it gives it. It's the punchline. It gives to the it joke. that. It's splat stick. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, it just feels like wacky races, which I can't believe you haven't seen that show. Brandon. No, I'm going to watch it. I'm definitely going to watch um, it. It's. It's. You'll see it, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing that no one really talks about smoke how a doob and then watch it. Yeah. Oh wow. Like, how have you not? Like, I mean, how how have they not said that this is we we took the idea from Wacky Races? <laughs> is yeah. it on Boomerang? I don't know. I mean, it, it was Warner it was. pulled it was. all their cartoons, so who who fucking knows? I don't know where. I don't know if it's it could be on HBO Max for all I know at this point. Or, but, or not? Yeah. I think or they not. pulled everything, yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's bounced around. Gotta love streaming services, man. Yeah, it's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Uh, anyway, so it, it comes out. It gets very mixed reviews. Roger Ebert famously gave it zero stars. And went on. And he this. knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he was never when it, wrong. When it comes to genre movies, he knew. We're talking about the guy who gave out Betsy Palmer's address because he hated Friday the Thirteenth so much. That's yeah. Oh god. He had everybody right. write to Betsy Palmer well, to tell her what a dipshit she was. Well, not everything can be a masterpiece Fuck like him. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Well, that's yeah. the thing. <laughs> judge, judge it, based, you know, judge it based off of its own merits. What is the film trying to be? Right. And this film is in on the joke the whole fucking time. Yeah. There's no it's not taking itself seriously. It's it's funny immediately. Um you know, in the first and shot Don Steele helps And it's that. not subtle <laughs> like they are yeah, Don Steele makes sure of it the whole damn movie. Um but the op- after the uh the soundtrack kicks in in the opening shot, they they're playing the national anthem kind of <laughs> establishing you see the shitty matte painting in the mm-hmm. back. Well, it's awesome too. But it's it's awesome. Actually, yeah. It it's really well done, yeah. but it doesn't look real, I guess. Well, it looks I mean. like yeah. it's drawn as opposed to painted. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. It's a matte drawing. It's yeah. a matte drawing and it's in the trailer. And then they too. animate the little train going by yeah. in there too. Yeah, they, yeah. At one point a green monorail yeah. can, like zips through yeah. it, which it's is just matte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, one of the first shots you look in the stands and someone has a swastika and the flag. Yes. So you're like, okay, like this movie is already, you know, it's off kilter immediately, <laughs> which of course piqued my interest. And then I realized when uh, David Carradine's character, who's named Frankenstein in the film, because he's lo- he's uh, been racing for the the government for a while and he's he's been in a, been in a lot of car wrecks, basically yeah. a lot of injuries. Uh, and he's wearing a mask, which uh, Rick Baker designed when he was like a kid. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, so he pulls up in this car, and it's you're, you know, you're like, oh shit, it's Wacky Races. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I'm in. I am, and they, I am and they, in. that's the thing, by the way. They made these fucking cars for this oh, they movie because what was the budget on this thing? I I, I actually don't know. That. I'll bet you I think it's two hundred, two fifty. Well, these are all like kit cars that they built on like Volkswagen chassis. Yeah, they're fiberglass just. Right. Like sculpted, so it looks things. like a Corvette, but it's not a Corvette. And you can see them <laughs> yeah. bounce, but that—that's what makes it charming. And they have like you know, there's like a, a Calamity Jane character, and they put you know steer the, horns oh, on so the, cool. the front. Um, All these it, cars are and so it is, rad. And it, what's really funny to me is that it—it it, it almost seems like a kids' movie to, to a certain degree. And I think that's the, the aesthetically, wacky shot. Aesthetically, aesthetically, like a, a child would be like, "Oh, this is very cool. juvenile to it." Yeah. yeah, but then it gets very, it gets, of course, very violent, and and there's there's some gore, there's a, there's uh there's a lot of nudity, um, and you know, so it, it does obviously that that's all put in. It's clearly an adult film, but it does have this. Well, not an adult film, but a film for adults. (laughs) Let me me rephrase that. Bad phrasing. A film for it intended for adults, but not an adult film. Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't go that far. Uh, Anyway, it's just a lot of fun. I I really don't. uh, 
you know, I, I don't know why reviews were so mixed. I don't know what people were expecting. It's a a Roger Corman produced. Uh, you, you can never b- base a movie on its contemporary reviews. It's just it's fucking stupid it, to even try. So, so many quote, quotable lines. One of my favorite, uh, Sly Stallone playing Machine Machine Gun Joe, is talking to his navigator. So he, every driver has this navigator mm-hmm. with them, um, and they're usually uh, well, they're not always female. One of them, I think the. The genders are reversed. In the, the buzz bomb, yeah. Right, right, exactly. Um, but uh, he says, you know, people always say you look so good. It's like, I think you look like a baked potato. <laughs> like, John Landis tells the story that, that was an, he was on set that day, and that was an improv line. I've heard that. And he was like... I think the line was bitch or something. Yeah, yeah and right? he was like, who is this guy who said the most insane... He was like, what the fuck does that even mean? But it's so much better because of it. <laughs> I know. I lo- <laughs> well, you know. Apparently, Sly was writing a lot of his own material, too. Like yeah. He was making ample well, he, changes. Like, well, he had to hey, write- I got I to write this movie. My own. Yeah. He had to been, he, I mean, Rocky was probably, at least in its first draft at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm right? sure it yeah, was. Yeah, least, I'm sure. Maybe, maybe a couple drafts in. So. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I, Sly Stone, uh, Stone. I'm now I'm in talking about music Stone? again. I'm, yeah, in the Family Stone. Stallone is. I I feel like is underrated. I feel like he picked a lot of bad movies. He's a bad much scripts. more intelligent guy than people. He give is. Him. It's easy to write him off, but I you know you I don't know anyone that watches Rock in, and go oh, this is a piece of shit. I'm like come on. He just bought on. into his own ego. Yeah. That's all. But the bottom line is that he. You're right, dude. He's super smart. He's very ex- extraordinarily talented. But he just did the thing that uh, most small guys do, which is, you know, he had to, like, be the big star. Right. He had to be bigger than big. And, like, you know, that just is intrusive. And you watch that whole series, uh, that era of films for him where you're like, yo, what was, like, watch Cobra and you know, you know, you're just right. like, this guy's right. out of control with his <laughs> egos out of control. Yeah, it had to have been. And, but... I love watching that earlier stuff with him, especially Death Race, because he is, you see what, like, a charming... He is. He's he's very charismatic. Wonderful, yeah. Uh, this, you know, the screen favors him, obviously. Looks he, interesting and weird. He's, like, he's off-puttingly he's ca- handsome. He is, but kind of dangerous and, yeah. and fucking weird, like you said. And just committed kinda... to what he's doing, And too. he sells yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's, he, he's great in the movie. He gives it... A different sheen he does. now when you watch it, where you're like, "Oh, this ups the ante. This makes it, it- does." And, and 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 that's not to you know step on anybody else's performance Certainly in the movie. Carradine is great too, but Stallone, if he would have been given more screen time, which he's given quite a bit, like he's the pretty much the the main antagonist. Over, sure, ex- aside from the president, who's this you know fascist <laughs> dictator, basically. <laughs> oh. um, you know, who's uh, creating this race to appease the masses. You know, the opiate for the masses. Bread yes. and circuses. Brutal yes. sport. Uh, this arena. Um, you know, uh, but Stallone is uh, he, he's fantastic in it. Yeah, he's fantastic, and and he's funny. Yeah. Uh, he knows exactly the type of movie he's in. He does. He's got um, it. 100%. And, I, and I think they all do. They all. They all know what movie. It well, is. that's the thing. You got again. Like you, I'll talk about my wonderful favorite, Mary Warrenov. Mm-hmm. Like she and Paul Bartel were best friends. They worked mm-hmm. together great. And you know, Mary Warrenov is no stranger to the art world and we've talked about her in episodes past yeah. uh, she uh, was part of that factory crew before she, ab- she went out west she right. absolutely was right uh, but she know i mean again like stallone the camera lo- fucking loves her she is one of those women yes. i've said this in another episode where when you look if you were to see her in person you'd be like wow she's strikingly weird looking 
You know, like she's she's tall. She's got a weird like her head's maybe bigger. Like there's things that you're like weird. But when you but it still gives you a chubby. But when you the the way she works on camera is it's like she was made sculpted for camera. That's the only way I can describe it. You know, like she's beautiful, statuesque and can fucking deliver it. She just like she knows what she's doing Mm -hmm. and she knows she does these things in that movie where she like pulls her legs up over her body when she's like, getting in like cat fight mode. That's right. Like nude cat fight mode where you're like, she knows what's up. Yeah, like exactly. it's so impressive to see these people like jiving with each other the right exactly. way, you know? And her partner in that scene, which is in that in the masseuse scene where they're all that was the weird part of the movie. They're all like violently competing against each other. Then they take these breaks and they go to like dinner. It's just a sport. It's just a it's game. Just a, it's they, not they, personal. I mean, they still, some of them genuinely don't like each other. Like right. Stallone versus uh, you know, Machine Gun Joe versus Frankenstein, obviously, yeah. are, are are not simpatico. But uh, but I, 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 I had to laugh at the scene where they, they every everything you've seen up to that moment, they've been on the road. And, you know, and they've run through. There's this great sequence where... This hospital puts all these elderly people out in, oh my God, in the street. Dude. It's euthanasia day they at the hospital. Up, they put them. They bring out. Bring out. You're almost dead. Uh, you know, <laughs> bring him out. And, and then what does Frankenstein choose to do? He swerves <laughs> and in a great moment of uh, character development. Swerves and runs over all the nurses instead, <laughs> knowing that he could have got 700 points by running over all those old people. Because old people, if you kill an old person, they're worth 70 points. They're worth 70 points. Yeah, the, just the nurses were just four. Yeah, and one, you know, I completely forgot to say this in the the synopsis, but um, I, you know, I said it was in a dystopian future. It's the year two thousand, <laughs> so <laughs> that's why it's title. in the name. It is yeah, literally yeah, in the title because there's death race. They're talking about obvious, like nineteen ninety nine. There's ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety seven. If anyone didn't get that, it's yeah. two, they're in the year two thousand. And it's fun how Frankenstein goes through and talks about yeah, in eighty or in ninety nine, I, I lost this. In ninety six, I lost this. In ninety eight, I, I lost my. I lost eye. an eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that's kind of um, a fun thing about the character, too, because, you know, when you see Frankenstein, you know, underneath this mask that he wears, you can see kind of like mangled flesh that's like covering one of his eyes and part of his face. Yeah. What, Mike, what else? What The, the movie is full of drive-in good. First of all, it, God bless you, because this movie <laughs> is how, like, what is this movie? 75 minutes long no it, so it's it's exactly 80 minutes with credits and it that's as long as it needs to be folks mm-hmm. like it does not need to be longer than that it's perfect and you know what i i really wish and i'm sorry i'm gonna go on a, a very micro rant here for a second <laughs> but i do wish more modern films were like you know what we're not gonna do a two and a half hour movie i think this is more of a 90 minute fuck it let's do 75 minute movie yes you know please and just make it really good. You know, it's kind of like you go to a restaurant that has seven, you know, Cheesecake Factory has like a fucking book of things. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. Be a restaurant that, that serves four we things. We have really four well. things, and they're the best so, fucking. You, it doesn't same matter idea. what you that get. That same idea. I'm right? with you. My, I'm, well, dude, I think with you everybody's been conditioned, though, now to two and a half to three hours. But it, well, it is that's getting, fucking Marvel it's, movies. And man. it's getting ridiculous. Like, it's just and too much. Don't get me wrong. I like Marvel yeah, movies. Yeah, sure. But it's like at a certain point, it's like, come on. How often? Well, don't are you think you... that the studios would like it if the run times were shorter? They can fit more fucking showings into a day. Chris, what you just said is the exact reason why films for so long exactly were persecuted. Like the notion of like 
this movie cannot be two hours long. Exactly. People were two hours was like the fucking limit. That's but when you started getting there to like a two hour and 15, 20 minute movie, you got uh, studio suits. They're going, like, nope, we can only show cut. it so many times a day. Why? Yeah. You know why? It doesn't matter now Streaming. because the movie's playing on fucking six screens mm. in one theater because they're not putting movies like Death Race in there. They're not right. allowing right. independent filmmakers to screen their films the way Roger Corman. And, the the yeah. market's different. And, guys. and that and a lot of it's, you know, Chris, you touched on on Marvel. A lot of it's IP. I don't mind sitting for three hours in a theater because it's three hours long. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying me personally. I'm saying just people in general like. I like, you know, Marvel. I will sit here and watch a two-hour and 45-minute film for fucking Doctor Strange or whatever it is. Um, once. Yeah, once. <laughs> right. So back to Death Race. Uh, I didn't have a great seg back into Death no, Race. No, don't need other one. Than, <laughs> other than what has already been said, it's campy, it's fun, it's violent, it's completely cartoonishly silly. It, it, it appeals to both your inner child and, you know, your adult sensibilities, too. It's It's... it's it's great. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just a fun movie, it, and it substitutes Southern California for New York. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it has it, a hit on John Landis get run over by a car. Yes, yeah, the mechanic. Uh, it yeah, packs exactly. Right John yeah. Landis makes a cameo as a mechanic, and he has a line too. They give him a line about does he get a, yeah? Stallone's black eye or something? He says, "Oh, something. and that's why he gets killed." He's right? making right. fun of his yeah girlfriend. And, that's right. His navigator. Um, he says like, "Oh, this motherfucker is going to be in my but movie a, Oscar perfect, years later." It's a perfect film to see to drive drive in. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's about there's the car consummate the cars ploitation kind of vibe going. So you know, but I can't think of a better. And it's movie. got a hand grenade in it. His a literal hand, literal grenade. hand grenade. Yes. Now, Mike, the most important question of the night is, what's your favorite of the cars? Ooh, I'm putting you on the spot with that one. That's yeah, not an I, easy question. I did not prepare for this question <laughs> it's a very um, good one I, I, the easy route is to say frankenstein's car because he's got the cool colors he's got the you know the frankenstein green and you know yeah, the monster he's got the monster the teeth and the which, teeth which, coming out of the front. again that that's because michael me when i was like nine or eight loved laugh olympics and scooby-doo had a crew with a car so there was a similar yeah, i mean that was more of the the van but the color palette i think was pretty similar yeah uh, so I think that that might that that's probably my answer because was even, Speed Buggy ever in the Laugh Olympics? I think that was Wacky Races. Why are you looking at me when you yeah. ask that? I've never even heard of that shit until tonight. Yeah, it's weird. Wacky Races, uh, Laugh you, Olympics Chris. used like the all star, like every amazing Hanna Barbera yeah. character, whereas Wacky Races, I think, invented a lot of characters for that yeah. show. Well, Speed Buggy had his own show. Yeah, that's right. That's that's true. Jab- Jabberjaw, Jabberjaw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Jabberjaw. it's it's got. It's got it all. I, it's one of my uh, one of my favorite Corman productions as well. It's just a lot of fun, um, and it delivers. Know, it does. It really does. It, if you're not laughing right away, then well, I, and I, also the, the I know. mean the satire of That's true. this we is really talked this about is that. a well, game show probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. because the, what I love about it, I'm sorry to, to if I'm cutting you off, Chris, but the the um, what I love about yeah. Death Race is that. The satire does not get in the way of the enjoyment of the movie. No, it, it's actually it takes. Oh God, this is, I swear to God, this wasn't an, an intent, but it does take a backseat to the uh, to the other elements. Of yeah, the film, man, but, it does. Yeah. But it's there. I yeah. mean, and it, it part of it is. I, I don't want to make this political, but you see, kind of like okay, it's still it's still relevant. It's still kind of topical too, dude. Of course it is. I mean, we have game shows now where. <laughs> 
I mean, the co- fuck island. Yes, <laughs> you're you're not. I mean, we fuck literally <laughs> we vote people off. I mean, we're it's no different from the gladiator sending them to the lions. It really isn't. The only difference we'll do it if the day, yes thumbs down. The, yeah. If the day comes that it's okay if Trump gets elected again. Oh, you're going there. You know, <laughs> then, you know, I can see it getting to a point where, like, let's make a TV show where we just kill people when they're done. Yeah. And we are the ones that get to control them. You're executed. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I got to say this, because <laughs> th- th- this is... <laughs> it did take a while. Sorry. Sorry, it did. It did. The, I forgot the impression all about did, actually. I heard yeah. what you said, and I'm like, that was, that was pretty good, because that was, like, mid-thought. <laughs> that was mid-thought. Uh, very well done. But anyway, um, yeah, Trump 2024. Yeah, so what I... <laughs> So what? I, My dad's what got I, one of those signs in his front yard. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sponsor of the show. <laughs> Just kidding, um, guys. That's oh a, my, these are jokes. What? I, what I was going to say. Uh, speaking of the audience, um, the I mean the actual audience in the film Death Race 2000, as well as the audiences of all the films that we're going to talk about tonight, they kind of get off easy in the film. They're just kind of there and they're cheering it on, and then like I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it later, but there's this thing where I'm like, you know. We the audience gets off easy to me. Yeah, like we don't, and that's what I mean. They don't really go too deep into the satire. Well, maybe it's for the best, dude. Maybe because I mean it's there because I mean, it's we're there. all and you know we're all just a bunch of animals who follow. We're sheep, right? We right. just follow. Like we should we be blamed because we just love things on a group level? I mean, again, we're ta- talking about Marvel. Well, a movies. person is smart and people are dumb, right? You know, it's that whole herd I, mentality. I believe that a hundred thousand percent i always say like audiences uh, the audience is dumb (laughs) but the people are all smart but that said also at the same time we do know when something stinks and any collective can figure it out for the most for the most part as long as it's not their identity might take them a while as long as it's not their identity right and i feel like the people in death race and what i love like my favorite kind of satire and especially like bleak post-apocalyptic or whatever you want to call it uh, dystopian satire is when the people go like eh, next thing you know like true you know like this is a weird example but like the cable guy I was going to say the Truman Show. Or the Truman Show. At the yeah. end or of that, where fucking just, in uh, the, howling. the Howling. The Howling is perfect, When yeah. they just go change the channel, what else is on, and they're like, it was real. Oh, a bunch of things they do with special effects. But that effects. was literally uh, the end of the Truman Show, when the, yes. the guys sit there after 30 fucking plus years of watching this guy's life. Okay, what else is on? They literally yeah. switch a channel. Should the audience be punished for being but to me, that, fed? That, that, that's that, the punishment. That scene, that's ab- the punishment. I was going to say, that scene absolutely punished the audience in that case. And, um, because of its subversion, yeah, right? It, the, exactly. Um, exactly. But at the same time, we realize that the audience is just the... They're just there. They're just... Well, you know, something to bring consumers. up out of, out of Death Race, though. When the one girl... Goes to meet Frankenstein. That's a great. And then later on, she's there with all of her friends. Thank you. Thank you. All of a sudden, Frankenstein sees her and runs her down. And she's like, "Why did she do that? Why did she get directly in the path of the car to tell me that she loves me?" Yes. But there's a great scene, and this is this is weird. This scene should not work, but it absolutely does. Where about ten minutes before that that sequence happens, when he runs that uh, that woman over, 
she approaches him uh, solo in, a, mm-hmm. in like a hallway, and yeah. he's expecting her to be like a, a group. Well, you want to fuck me? You know, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and it's not like that at all. She's like, "No, I just want to tell you so it has meaning." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what has meaning? It's just this weird. It's moment. actually a potent and moment. She, whis- she whispers in his ear. It's honestly the most potent moment in the film yeah. that really stands out apart from every other scene to me because yeah. it's so different. I mean, that might be what kind of sets this movie apart yeah. from a lot of the other stuff, and that might be the darkest and bleakest the movie. Almost it gets is. like I that's think, the I most. I agree with that, and they show like heads like being smashed like watermelon in yeah. this movie. Yeah. But and that scene is just kind of like a giant knife blade up. That's a little heavy. You that's don't the expect heavier it. moment. You don't expect it, and then she, you know, obviously there's a callback to it uh, in the scene that Chris mentioned where she's she puts herself on the road and just puts her arms out. Yeah, like Christ pose. Yeah, and gets run over. Yeah, um, and he does he, he does it knowingly. He does it that he knows that she wants it that to happen. It's weird, uh, but it's a well. It you know this idea of true believers too, because I mean everybody else, you know, they're there for the instant gratification of it. But I mean, this significantly means something to her, yeah. like on a completely different level. Yeah, and that's how we, how an audience kind of functions too. There yeah. are people who dress up as Harry Potter characters they because quid- they, they want to quidditch. They, play tournaments. Quidditch. they want to be a part of, it. and I get it. I, I I do get it, but. The question that's kind of posed that's interesting to me is like, should they should they necessarily be punished because they're just consuming? Look, we all know we tear down what we love. That's how right. this oh, yeah. country fucking yep. works. We tear down and then we bring it back. So it, we're it's like we're always asking for it, but at the same time, well, we tear it down. And then after a while, when we realize we miss it and we bring it back, That's we're true. like, why is it not the same? Yeah. <laughs> you can't right. go home again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Mike, all that aside, uh, subversion, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, satire aside, the movie is just so much fun. Yeah. That, that's really, I know that sounds very, uh, you know, kind of oversimplifying the movie, but this isn't, this is. <laughs> You know, this isn't Capote or something, right? No, right. Uh, but no. It, it, it is Fay, truly... your goddamn consonants. <laughs> if you could, if I could sum it up in one word, it is just a really fucking good time. And I feel like we need to That's get back one to word. that. Like, That's well, not fun. one word. Fun is the word. Fun <laughs> okay. is the one word. Thank you, Brandon. Fun. I said the second bit Putting first, the fun the back bit. in funeral. Putting the fun back in funeral. Yeah. Uh, really fun movie. I highly... Recommended for those of you who have not seen it. But Great choice, Mike. Anyway, thank Great you. choice. Thanks for letting me talk you. about it. All right, guys. That's movie number one, guaranteed in the can, on the screen. Mm-hmm. But we've got to pick our best pairing with that film. We have two choices. Chris? Well, really, Brandon, we only have one choice. <laughs> we only have Ooh. one choice here. And that yeah. choice is 1987's The Running Man. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark! I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Because they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. Can you lift? 
Arnold Schwarzenegger is the running man. He's playing for a prize. The prize is his life. How about the life? The running man. Directed by Paul Michael Glazer. You might remember him as Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. He was also Perchick in Norman Jewison's film version of Fiddler Fiddler on the Roof. So he's the one that sings, Wonder of Wonders, Miracle of Miracles. God took a take. No, that's that's Perchick. No, that's Model the Tailor. Oh. Yeah, no. What does Perchick sing? Uh, What does Perchick sing? Yeah, I don't don't know. Yo, uh, game shows. Who did Burt Convy play in Fiddler on the Roof? He was in the Norman Jewison movie, too. He was in the movie? Yes. He hosted one of my favorite game show hosts of win, all time. Win, lose, or draw, man. He did Tattletales, Super Password, and Win, Lose, or Draw. But, um, Super well, Password. he and Burt Reynolds actually had a production company called Burt and Burt. That's right. Oh, yeah. my God. And also, Corman Relation, he was in A Bucket of Blood. Oh, shit. He was also in Cannonball Run? Uh, He's in the one. He's in, like, Cannonball Run 2, I think. No, yeah. he is in the first Cannonball yeah. Run. Yeah, and he actually, like, takes the motorcycle and drives it out of the back of the plane with the parachute on. That's right. And then, of course, his assistant in that movie is the little creepy dude that was in uh, the Star Trek episode, Miri, with uh, mm. Kim Darby and Michael J. Pollard. But he was also, you know, bonk, bonk on the head. Bonk, bonk. He had, like, really fucking oh, yeah. ugly face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and as a kid. By the way, Fiddler, he was in the original Broadway cast. Okay. He did play Perchick. Okay. So he, now I have everything. That was the song. <laughs> Written by Stephen E. D'Souza, based on the novel by Richard Bachman, who uh, <laughs> also goes by the name of Stevan Kang? Yeah, Kind. Yeah, I think that's right. Stevan Kang. Stevan Kang. Richard Bachman. Or is it Stephan? Stephan. Stephan. Yeah. Stephan. Stephan. Kind, step and kind, kind. Yeah. Wow, we've lost it. You guys, we Fuck. fucking lost it. We're only in the second movie. Oh Jesus. Okay. All yeah, right. but this movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nice Austrian boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Un Maria Conchita Alonso. She's and good. Yafakoto. Love Yafit. And Jim Brown. <sighs> Jim Brown's the fucking man. And Jesse Ventura. Absolutely. And Professor Toru Tanaka. And Richard Dawson. There's more. And Mick Fleetwood. Yeah. And Dweezil Zappa. And let's see, Sven Olthorson's yep. in this movie. And also, what's the guy that plays Dynamo? Uh, er- Erland Van... Von... Uh, yeah, I know. Who, Which, yep. That dude actually was like an, an opera, opera singer. singer. Yeah, and yeah, he sings like in the film. Six foot five and like 400 pounds. Like, the dude died of a heart attack like two months after this movie was released. Or maybe right before the movie was released. Damn, he never got to reap its benefits and rewards. 34 years old. Well, he was in other films. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. He played like a punk in... He might Fiddler have been... on the Roof? No, no, no. <laughs> he might have been in Class of 1984. Oh, no shit. <gasps> really? He's the oh. bald one. The big bald dude. He's not... Wait, not in Christine. No. It... He's not like the guy that uh, that gets crushed in Christine, is he? I don't think I don't so. Rem- I don't remember him but in Christine. I, yeah, I think I'm he's making in that class in yeah. 1984. Okay. All right. He is the bald punk. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wild. All right. And a real deal opera singer. And one of the greatest game shows of all time, Richard, Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson. Dawson's back, baby. Yeah, boy. So let me see if I can uh, run through the synopsis on this. Let me see if I can do it like in a Don LeFontaine or yes. like, you know, Percy Rodriguez, yeah. you know. Do it like Dick Dawson. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. Who loves you and who do you love? <laughs> In a dystopian America, a falsely convicted policeman gets his shot at freedom when he must forcibly participate in a TV game show where convicts, runners, must battle killers for their freedom. It was much closer to Dick Miller. Yeah, it was a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I never, no, don't apologize no, for you, Dick Miller showing up. I'm here for Dick Miller Yeah, we're all here for Dick. All right, man. Why is this movie great? You tell me. Probably because it's such a huge departure from the source material. Yeah, I want now. Mm. We're are, are we all Stephen King fans here? Yeah, oh yeah. Are, yeah, oh yeah. Let me some King. We know we've read a lot of his 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 uh, 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 bibliographies. I'm a fan of the King. Yeah. Okay. Are you a fan of the the novel, The Running Man, that Richard Bachman um, wrote? I mean, I've got the Bachman books and everything, yeah. so I mean, I read it all along with, you know, The Long Walk, which I thought, you know, The Long Walk and The Running Man are very similar. Yeah, oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> the Long yeah. Walk, by, by the way. I know they've made The Hunger Games and Battle Royale, mm-hmm. but, like, that is in my top five Stephen King yeah. novels of all time. All right, let's Re- not deviate but too But I think, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I thought they were Stephen very similar, King. but, like, the, the Running Man is much drier than, you know... What we get in this, the movie. Running Man is nothing like yeah. this movie, and I, I'm actually quite thankful for that too because yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie, and I love what D'Souza did with the script on this. Um, and I think it's probably a, a good thing that they wound up getting Paul Michael Glazer because there was another director that was attached to it. Yeah, shot for like a month. Who? I'm trying to remember who it was. I'm, dude, I thought maybe you would know. I um, wanted to say, was it George Cosmatos or something? It might have been, you know. I think it was somebody, le- no, because he's the guy that comes in. He, to, was, like to, the, he was like the ghost director, He's right? like the fix-it guy. Uh, yeah. um, well, I just was listening to something recently where somebody was talking about, very negatively, about George Cosmatos. Um, he's the one that did uh, Tombstone, right? Yeah, by sure. Kurt, by Kurt did Russell. He? Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Oh, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> you know what? It was an interview uh, with uh, with Michael Bean. Um uh, okay, so uh, yeah, dude. Let's see. Um, Andrew Davis was the oh, original okay. director. So the guy that did the Fugitive. Yeah, he gotcha. fired after two weeks. Okay, fired because it went one week behind schedule. Oh yeah, for something like five million dollars or something like that. Yeah, they, they, like, within, yeah. I guess Schwartzy was not happy because it cut into his cigar budget. Well. I- <laughs> Let's let's get into the talk of this movie because there yeah, I mean there's a lot to love. There's also a lot to kind of go, huh. So yeah, what's up, dude? Why do you love this this Yeah, hit us. Uh well, I, I love the violence in this movie. because uh, this movie is hyper violent. I mean, people will be like, Oh, the running man, you know, okay, I didn't really th-. but you know, if you really kind of look at it, the the violence is pretty fucking brutal in this movie. Um the, the satire. I, I think that's the other thing kind of grabs me. It's not quite as satirical as a Verhoeven movie. No, no. But yeah, it's, but the satire it's not nearly as transgressive. Of, of you know television. You know the criticism of television and the comedy and like the idea. Like the one thing that j- jumps out at me is like they have a an advertisement for another game show that plays besides the Running Man <laughs> called Climbing for Dollars. Climbing for Dollars. <laughs> and you know something? I fucking look at that and I go, "We're only a couple months away from that." I mean, we will no, have Climbing Chris, for Dollars. Hold on, I think we might no. be there. Have you yeah. guys ever seen that? What's the game show? It's like I feel like it's on Netflix right now. They got some guy like he used to host or he won gold medals at the Olympics. Oh, like uh, one minute, like versus a minute or like something. You have to complete a task in 60 seconds. And it's literally like you have to hit ping pong balls into a cup 
for 60 seconds or you have yeah, to... Yeah, but do you have Doberman Pinschers rip you to shreds that's, if you lose? Right, you're See, right. See, that's right. what I'm talking you're about right. here. You know, and that's something that, like, it would not be out of place in a Verhoeven film. You yeah. Know? So I really, I love those little touches. Would you touches. like to know more? Yeah. The world building yeah. in this movie, I love a whole lot too, which, you know, this is not, you know, primo, like, predator budget for yeah. a Schwarzenegger movie. You no, can obviously see that, you know, they do have limited funds, but they're set down you know i'm sorry their 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 production design and their set decoration and their art direction and the costumes which i think robert blackman did the costumes on this as well but uh they managed to get you know a guy who's used to working in television and throwing together a pretty uniform look yeah on on a budget and i think that that's accomplished as well so i you know i kind of like some of the choices and stuff it's that interesting made there. that they, they skew toward yeah. television uh yeah. quality in a feature film but you know? it once again kind of plays to their favor and that was i think probably one of the issues too that uh some of the people had with bringing in paul michael glazer because at this point he had been a television director yeah. i mean of course he was an actor as well but you know right. he had really been branching out into directing and most of his experience was in television, which I think actually brings something to the film since we are kind of poking fun at television culture as well. So yeah. Yeah, that's another thing that I really love about it. Um, this whole concept of the running man as a game, you know, the production of this particular thing, they've got like their own solid gold dancers and stuff, which I think is fucking awesome. And they it's utilize great. them great oh, yeah. throughout the course of the, of the film. Um, but I think that, you know, the the real hero of this movie is not Schwarzenegger, dude. It's fucking Richard Dawson. Dawson's this the MVP. Movie, this movie would not work if Richard Dawson was I, not playing uh, the role of Damon Killian. 100%. 100%. agree. Yeah. The, I mean, it's, if anything, it's what... So Schwarzenegger gets you the dollar value, yeah. right? Where you're and like, gets the asses in the seats, Right, you're too. like, I'll watch yep. anything that Schwarzenegger's in, mm -hmm. but what pushes this up above like a raw deal... Or uh, or uh, uh, red, uh, red uh, uh, whatever the other one that he did that starts with an R that isn't you know um, oh my gosh the one with Jim Belushi yeah I can't Red Dawn no 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 that's yeah that's Raw Deal and uh, oh my God what the fuck I, I, hey I'm not remembering either um, oh my God I'm brain farting whoa yeah. anyway well that's my what? point this yeah. movie has the added value of Richard Dawson bringing it, it it's it starts off like kitsch value yep. where you're like okay but he, he is bringing it mm -hmm. he is so fucking oh, he's good he's, in, he's completely game for yeah. the whole movie oh my god he's fantastic he's incredible i mean the the role of, of this guy killian being you know not only a host but a producer and everything too and a judge of talent and you know there's just this attitude which i've heard stories that really he wasn't acting like the way that the way that he behaves in this movie as this character of Damien, you know, Damon Killian, a lot of people that worked with him on Family Feud said, yeah, that's how he acted behind the scenes as no, well. He's he was a notorious prick. Yeah. Um, you know, best friends with Gene Rayburn, the host of uh, Match Game until he started doing Family Feud. Match Game is what made him. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. he was the standout breakout star of Match Game. He always had the right answer, but he was charming and funny and dry, right. and everybody loved him. So they were like, get your own TV show, dude. So he did Family Feud, but became this huge star. You know, that show became bigger than any of the other shows. I mean, you know, he had been known for being part of the ensemble on Hogan's Heroes and everything. As well, right. But 
But you know, he 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 also famously like when Gene like he abandoned his friends yeah. when when his fame kind of took over, right. and you know, like brutal, yeah. brutal. Well, it's kind of fitting too that this was the last movie that he ever did, last feature. Yeah. When did when did Richard Dawson? Die? I feel like he he didn't pass away until like like two thousand. Like I yeah, think I, he he was he he you know, but his career was effectively poisoned by his attitude attitude yeah. In a, but in man, a, he does make this movie work. I mean, you know, let's let neither he here nor there. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. So he, he, way so, later than I thought. Yeah. Twenty twelve. The Mayans took him. <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas who prophesied loves it. you and who do you love? Um, <laughs> this movie is endlessly quotable. I think this is also one of the movies that makes it. You know, the responsibility of of Schwarzenegger and his one liners really kind of fall. So many one liners on this fucking in this movie. movie. I mean, earlier, Mike and I were talking, and it was like, you know, he had a lot of one-liners then this year, but like he would have a one-liner before he kills a guy, yeah, and then he'd have one-liner after Another he kills one. the guy. He had a pre-mortem one-liner yeah. and a post-mortem one-liner. There's also one in this one that is like... Oh, uh, I know exactly which you know one you're talking it's about, It's the too, worst you know? one-liner in movie which history one? to me. Sub-Zero! Now like... just plain zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If that doesn't smack of somebody who just like thought of that one on the spot, sounds like Arnold made it up on the yeah. set or something. You know, it's like so funny. I whenever I see that, I'm like, yeah, I dare you say it was wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> more like it's kind of like you know, like more like that's where Dorkosaurus. Like, yeah. You know, you're like, okay, that's where it is like the high five on the Simpsons doing stand up yes, comedy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the high five that he and Yafakoto give each other as they're walking away on the camera, and like that fucking audience after like Schwarzenegger's killed fucking. Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero, yeah. And everybody's like in shock, and then the high five, you're like, yeah. yeah. It's like, let's um, let's go to a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Now, who do you think was a bigger dick on set, Yafit Kato or uh, Richard Dawson? Dawson. You think Dawson was a bigger prick? Well, I don't know. There's also Jesse Ventura, too, in this oh, movie. Ooh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that's, egos yeah, on this movie. That's, that's a tough and one. And Schwarzenegger's there, too. Mm. But he generally there. treats his crew and his people pretty think, well. Yeah, so. his, he, he's got a good he reputation. Have a, he doesn't have a rep for being a, yeah. a prick. No, on just set. a very yeah. competitive yeah. guy who likes cigars. Yeah, and eating pussy. <laughs> <laughs> what? You haven't heard those stories? No. Yeah, there were stories that like he kept getting caught like in flagrante delicto, you know, with assistants and other people oh on my set God. and everything like that. And any time that he'd come across somebody, he'd be like. Oh my God! Eating's not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm coming all over the place. Uh, yeah, I'm coming all over the room. Yeah, I'll give me my cigar. <laughs> you got the blue dress I can jizz on. Bill Clinton uh, learned this trick for me. Yeah, he has some <laughs> shitty one line <laughs> right after. Sub Zero, more like come zero. <laughs> what, Arnold? What? Dude, what are you saying? That Sorry. Doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't even make sense. I hit you with a snowball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it when you spit it back. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my and God. And here you guys. we go. We're working blue tonight. Ooh, yeah. Um, but other things that like, just make this movie great. Um, the fucking head poppers, man. Uh, the, yeah, uh, I feel like you buried the, the lead, Chris. The fucking first five minutes of the movie, somebody's yeah. head explodes. Yeah, not right. just somebody, not just any. Um, well, it's not just the first five minutes. It's like the first five minutes is like where they have the whole scenario. You get they this fucking the opening, uh, opening crawl, yeah. which I'm like, sure. I looked right. at that and said, 
All right, this is where the the studio suits came in and said, "What the fuck is going yeah. on? We'll put a crawl at the beginning." Put a crawl at the beginning, everything. so we can understand. So we live in a fascist wasteland, like every other fucking movie of this genre. Um, so it's like, yeah, the audience has seen this a million times before. Okay, we're gonna give them something different. Okay, yeah. well, I think we still need to establish what happened. You know, remember what uh, what John Carpenter did in Escape from New York? <laughs> Let's do that now. So Death Race takes place in two thousand. When is Running Man? 2017. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's 2017. All well, right. actually, no, I take that back. It starts in 2017, and I think it's 2019. Oh, it jumps you ahead because the, after his prison the, the, the whole sentence, first thing is because like, he yeah, goes to prison. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and he's in prison for a couple of years, and then they're able to break out because he's the butcher. The butcher of Bakersfield. The butcher of Bakersfield. And I love that they have the um, the footage of him. Uh, bombing or you know shooting his missiles from the it's helicopter. It's not shooting. Well, it's just missiles. He's got a couple of miniguns. It's leftover footage from fucking King Kong, from Dino De Laurentiis' oh, really? King Kong. All the helicopter footage of the helicopters firing their miniguns. No, no kidding. Is the footage from King That's Kong? Incredible. I did not know. Yeah, that. but That's I hilarious. also I love that the newsreel footage is like the actual footage from, from the, the movie. Film, yeah, like. Like that's my favorite thing in in movies where I'm like when you see like a a, a picture of somebody and you're like oh that's Roy Scheider's headshot yeah you know right. like or right. or Jamie Lee there's like in a Halloween movie it's like a Jamie Lee Curtis picture of her with the pumpkin and you're like well I remember seeing the movie where she but, has the pumpkin but nobody took a fucking picture of her <laughs> right you right. know how, how was that a thing so I love it, like weird Man. omnipotent thing you know what a yeah. floating camera did we get this from right I love it running man or like yeah it's like the uncut raw footage of so like funny. how it actually ha- went down as opposed to how they edited it although not far off from the way news reports are edited now that's very true well and it gets into deep fake stuff as well. Yeah. Oh, boy. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. It, that that kind of surprised me. Cause yeah. I, I, I was telling you guys, I haven't seen this since, uh, well, I saw it a few nights ago, re- but I hadn't seen it since like 89, back in the VHS uh, video store day. Yeah. And I'm like, Prescient. oh, shit. That's, yeah. that's going to be a real problem. Yeah. Well, but these head poppers, man, the, uh, the restraint collars that all the prisoners wear and stuff, here's a trope that kind of comes together in quite a few movies. I'm trying to think. There was a an HBO movie that they did the same sort of That's thing right. where they had, but it was two people. It was almost like, um, what's the Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis movie? Oh, um, shit, where they're... The Chain Gang one, yeah. yeah I'm trying yeah. to remember what the name of that movie is. They're on the run. Yeah. Um, but it's there's another movie where like you have a caller. I think like something like Mimi Rogers or something was in this movie, and they have explosive collars where you are paired up with another person. And if you get more than like 15 right. feet away from that person, the collars are going to blow your head. I remember off. that. Uh, what the fuck was that movie? Shit, I can't remember. Anyway, but like, there's that. You can go back to Escape from New York, and when yeah. they put the the explosive ampules in, in, yeah. in Snake Plissken and stuff, it's still this idea that we've got something to control you, and basically, it's going to kill you through your, you know. The Tony Curtis Sidney Poitier was the Defiant Ones. The defiant I can't believe ones. I forget yeah. that. She, what a bunch of assholes! Seriously. All three of us are. Yeah, we're talking not about poli- we're talking about fucking Police Academy Three. We I can't know, and we the, don't like classic the cinema. We can't ones. remember the Defiant Ones. One of like a cinema fucking fail, cla- huge God. fail. It's embarrassing. I mean, we all knew it. But what we, we got here yeah. is failure to remember. Uh, and then our audience is like, we don't give a fuck the Defiant was. Like, <laughs> who, the, who the fuck is Sidney Poitier? Yeah, talk about Police Academy, bitch. Um, uh, Tony who? Tony who? <laughs> Fuck him. Jamie Lee's dad. <laughs> oh, that guy she was talking about in her Oscar acceptance speech? Oh, that guy? Dick I've Miller never seen it who's in. Dick Miller's back. 
<laughs> All right, so head popping. So tell you something. Uh, yeah. Head popping. It's a Jamie Lee Curtis piece of ass. <laughs> so you're the spaceman. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Say it. So you're the spaceman. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I wanted. Somewhere a ah, tear dropped one night out stand? of Uncle Get back in your cab. A tear dropped out of Uncle Joe's eye. <laughs> on that one. They remembered. Um, so but yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And like, do you guys remember? It was right around this time that this movie came out too, where there was a pizza guy that he was kidnapped by some bank robbers, and they put an explosive collar around his neck and made him rob a bank. Oh, they made a movie about it, fifteen minutes or less. Is that what with they, uh, they, they, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, with Jesse Eisenberg? That's right. Yeah, okay, I didn't know about that movie, yeah. but I mean, I remember seeing the actual footage of like the guy, like he's pleading with the fucking police, you know, guys, help me. I didn't mean to do this. I got a bomb around my neck. And right. then the bomb right. goes off and kills the guy. Oh, did that really happen? Oh, yeah. The guy fucking died. Oh, oh I don't know if that happens shit. in the movie yeah. or not. Yeah, but the guy Jesus fucking Christ. died. So oh, I was like, good. oh, yeah, this this novel idea. Let's put explosives around somebody's Holy neck. shit. And okay, blow their crazy. fucking house. Which is great in this scene in the movie because as uh, the character of Weiss who steals the computer, they they you know have this riot where Yafakoto and fucking Arnold just start Running beating the shit out of one another. Running space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. you've got all these little kind of... Uh, I don't even know what to call them, you know, gate posts or something. You yeah. know, they kind of run, you know, this this electronic fence. So unlike shocking your dog when you don't want him to leave the yard, the dude goes running and like, you know, the the collar starts to beep and everything and like that. And I just up. love it. The guy running and then pop, pop. And the head just goes straight fucking and up I feel in like, the air. If I remember correctly, it cuts to like Arnold and everybody going like oh. Like because well, they, they were warning him, like don't do it. It's not ready. Yeah. They're, they're not. It's still armed. You yeah. can't go. And it, it, I just remember yeah. that cutaway of them going like, "Well, we saw t- that one coming." We told him. We told him. Even though his head just flew ten feet. In yeah. The air. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't impressed by that. Holy shit! It was, yeah, so it was awesome. And honestly, in this day and age, you know, in the, this dystopian world, they probably should have been like betting cigarettes on it or something. No like that. shit. Well, especially Dude, with all the. I bet you his head's gonna fly ten feet. No, it's gonna be fifteen feet. Because they get into that later with the gambling with yeah. the uh, you know with the people and the the bookies later on in the you know throughout the film where they keep gambling. You would oh, think that right, that, yeah, yeah, that, yes. that, that is that does become a thing later on. Well, isn't um, there some betting in Death Race two thousand? You know, side bets and stuff that people are taking. There are, but they, they're not as prominent as they are in yeah. Running Man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but I mean, other things about this movie, the fucking score, man. Harold Faltermeyer does the score on this, and it's like a single synth score, and. I think it's great. I love the can, music in can this. You, can you do the theme? So we do, can do 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 do. Yeah. Do, 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 do. yeah. I mean, I just I think it's really effective score. Nice. Good themes that they've got going on in there. Um, it repeats in all the best ways. It dies away when you know you just need a nice kind of droning under. Pinning to certain scenes and everything. Bring back Faltermeyer. Yeah, yeah. No, but he he did have something to do with Top Gun, the new Maverick, right? Well, Harold Faltermeyer did the whole. Uh, yeah, I mean the I, opening sequence, pri- the music prior to Danger Zone kicking in. I, I didn't see Maverick, so I. Well, I was it's, just it's say the I haven't exact seen it same. Yet. If you've ever seen Top Gun, it's the same thing. I haven't seen Top Gun. Oh my god! The original one? No, I've never seen it. I, so it's funny. I've seen it, but never in one sitting all the way through. Oh, really? Throughout my, I mean, because you know, growing up in the '80s, everyone's like, "Oh, fucking Top Gun is the best." Had all those hit, you know, hit songs. You, you watch it, and you're like, "It just, I, I didn't care." No, well, I, I they did, did bring Faltermeyer back. Yeah, and I, he re-recorded that's what I his. But it's, it is the the whole thing. It is. It's just a t- 
they don't commit to Faltermeyer. Do they don't commit the <laughs> pussies. What? No, I don't, it's not commit a matter of really committing, man. I, honestly, they utilized him in exactly the same way they utilized him in the first film. Okay. All right. He, you know, he leads into this whole establishing shot and the. Da, 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 but he also did the whole movie. Da, 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 da. Get him to do the whole movie. Well, Giorgio Moroder. You know, oh, did he? Did oh, did Moroder? Did... In, yeah. Yeah, Moroder did Danger right. Zone. Well, that was his song, wasn't it? No, that no, was Kenny that's Loggins. Loggins. No, but I'm saying he he wrote. Oh, that he and produced gave it. To, it? Yeah, I think he produced oh, okay. it and gave it to Loggins. Well, I take it. take yeah, my yeah. breath away from Berlin. He definitely got a co- right. co-writing credit on that. Yeah. Um, we are our audience is dropping. And then of course, off like probably his his best <laughs> known gun. score is Axel it's F for me, Beverly George, Hills, Hills Cop. Giorgio <laughs> <laughs> Marotta. Yeah, I love I love Giorgio. Yeah, yeah, he's Big great. Fan. He's great. Fifty Minute Express. Holy shit! Oh, dude. so good. Oh my god! So, so fucking good. good. Fucking the chase. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, Faltermeyer's score is really, really good. Um, you know some. More of this fucking brutality, man. There's at one point, like, I can't remember if it's during the escape or at another point where fucking Yafakoto snaps this dude's neck. <laughs> and, and I was it's like, It's when they stage the fight. I'm like, Holy shit! <laughs> like, like, him and Arnold he, sta- stage the fight. He, like, and twists then, yeah. this dude's head like a full 180, and, like, there's this, this foley sound effect of the dude's neck cracking. <laughs> oh and I'm God. like, Holy And Yafet was method, so he probably did it for real. Yeah, he he probably killed, they they let guy. him kill a guy. They actually <laughs> killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Arnie's contract writer for fucking, he has to have this many cigars. You, you gotta know. let Cado Cado. Yeah. Now there's a sticker, guys. Let Cado Cado. Let Cado Cado. Let Cado Cado. Can I mention? I don't. Well. What do you want to say, Brandon? I just There's a scene I remember from this movie just popped into my head that I remember, like, the last time I watched Running Man, I was like, yo. <laughs> and it's early on in the movie where they're they're um they're bringing out Arnold uh behind the scenes mm-hmm. and there's Maria Cachito Alonso yeah and then some other woman oh they're at the vending machine oh, getting a drink like six dollars for other. a coke and She's the like, other about woman raping the other woman yes. is like oh I'd let him rape me it's something we, no yeah. that's not what she says it's, what it's is close. like boy. You're oh, lucky. They're... You're lucky that he didn't kill you, or he didn't rape you and then kill you. But she keeps saying or it. Or kill you and rape you. I mean, a guy like that, who's to stop him? It's there. You go. Mm-hmm. I re- when I saw that, la- I laughed so hard, and not because of the trivialization of sexual assault, mm. but because I was like, "Yo, this is written by a dude. Yeah, what, <laughs> what the fuck, Stephen D'Souza? Fuck off." Yeah, I I laughed. That is so. Like written by a man in 1987. Souza or is this De Silva? <laughs> I just it's rough. I, just but the look she gives him of like yeah, the way she delivers. Well, but he's yeah, such a she's strapping like, piece of man right, flesh. Yeah, no, she's 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 undressing him as yes. he walks by. Like oh, that kind of guy. Everybody rape you. is even <laughs> even fucking Killian's like that too. Killian's like, like he goes, look at this guy. It's very. Move. It's almost like she's wishing it would happen. Yeah. Like, That's the Ugh. thing. It's this weird fantasy that Weird. only a man you know and may, hey look maybe there's a woman listening right now who's like well no i've had that fantasy but i doubt it i don't know <laughs> that only happens at the beginning of dress to kill yeah, right <laughs> oh. right right <laughs> i have a fantasy of, of a guy stabbed, a, to, death stabbed to death in the shower yeah after being sh- raped before yeah, that yeah. right after popping up magically in here 
while my husband's shaving himself or whatever Good the fuck. God. Anyway, okay, we're saving that for our uh, <laughs> yeah. d- uh, De Palma. De Palma. Oh, we, um, you guys do a De Palma, I'm, I'm in. De Palma de, uh, debates. De, de Palma. <laughs> Deconstructing De Palma. Deconstructing De Palma. There we go. Listen for look on our feed for uh, yeah. uh, the new episodes. <laughs> we got Fleece Academy and De Palma's coming out. All right, there's some cool matte paintings in here as well to kind there of you know give us the idea much better of than death this. Races. Yeah, but um, you know something I noticed too is there's a nice little shift um, as far as the cinematography and the color palette that's being utilized. Like in the early portions of the movie, where you've got bakersfield you've got the prison and everything too they're using a lot of earth tones they're using red filters and everything to create kind of this hazy grimy dusty you know kind of feeling and everything and then once we get into the controlled conditions even in this dystopian world we switch to these kind of cool blues and everything a lot of filtering there it looks like a crossfire commercial you (laughs) (laughs) you get caught up in the Oh my god, I haven't. Um, but yeah, these colors. <laughs> shittiest game of cool. all time, by I the way. When you get it, forgotten. You're it like hungry, really hungry bad. hippos. Just shitty without a hippo. Yeah, it was not give as me good a as, hippo. as the hippo. Cro- game. Give me, give me crossfire with hippos. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, after Schwarzenegger gets like recaught, he's you know looking for his brother, and he winds up going to his brother's old apartment, and this is where bare naked ladies song Maria, the old apartment plays. Yeah. <laughs> Marie Conchita. Damn, Broke damn into Canadians, the all right. Old apartment. Stop your canucking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me get caught up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um when he find or I guess when Maria Conchita Alonso comes home and finds Arch- Arnold Schwarzenegger in her apartment and he's like, you know, where's where's my brother? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. They took him away for re-education. You know, it's like, <laughs> wait, does she talk like that? In yes, the movie? she actually does. <laughs> yeah, especially in that scene. Yeah, is Maria? Is she in um, Jacob's Ladder? Uh, no, that's Elizabeth Pena, isn't it? Cutting that. <laughs> I'm cutting that for not knowing it. Okay, you're right. It is. I think it's Elizabeth Pena. Yeah, it is. But she's in Predator too. Maria. Maria Conchita Lons is in Predator. And then too. who's the actress in the first Predator? Uh, Epelita Epelina Car- Del, yeah, yeah Cardio, right? right? Yep. Yeah, okay, very good. Um, yeah, that was so, a good catch. Uh, okay, sorry, Chris. Anyway, continue. Um, so just kind of running quickly through the plot. Uh, running, he, yeah, running. He and Run Man Maria Conchita Alonso. <laughs> but I mean, you start to find out some of the conditions of what's going on, all the censorship and everything that's happening. She's got like black mark clothing, and she's got all this music that's on like the censored list and everything. So, it's oh like, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Seem kind of like throwaway lines, but it's still some of that world building. We have a kind of pretty clear idea that like. Television is state run, you know. Yeah. So this is this whole bread and circus this right. thing's very similar to what's happening in uh Death Race two thousand. Mm-hmm. But um once Schwarzenegger is captured and after Richard Dawson's seen like the footage of him breaking out of the prison and everything like that, he's like, I want this guy and he gets him. Schwarzenegger uh meets his court appointed 
theatrical agent. <laughs> so rather than having a court-appointed attorney, he has a court-appointed theatrical agent, and that just cracked my ass up. So the guy's that's going through gold, yeah, and he's like, the guy's reading through the fucking contract and everything. Like that, I actually don't you remember. You can sign it yada, on my yada, back. Yada, yada, sign it oh, on the back. They do the, oh, oh yeah. that's right. And then he, he does stabs the, him with the fucking pin, and I'm like, make sure you send me a copy. Yeah, one, one of like 500 one-liners that yeah. Arnold has. So, I, you know, I just there was something about that particular, you know, little tidbit that D'Souza had put in the, in the script. And I like I got a real fucking kick out of that because really, that's kind of where we are to, yeah. today. Too. You know, we have a court appointed because, I mean, with this whole run on true crime and shit, you know, Lord knows uh, we get an appearance by Lynn Shay. I don't remember. Yeah, it's very, very brief. Uh, they're, they're panning across. I think it's like the control room uh, where. Uh, Kurt Fuller, which actually this is Kurt Fuller's film debut. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really, this is Kurt Fuller's first theatrical movie. Huh. He had a fucking great run, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. He went from this like right into Ghostbusters too. I mean, not yeah. not long after. Yeah. So I mean, here this this idea, which this is really where there's a huge departure from uh, the Richard Bachman source material and everything. But this concept that you have these stalkers, you mm-hmm. know, you have prisoners that come in and for the entertainment of the masses you know it's this most dangerous game kind of right. you know scenario right and you have these very very colorful stalkers like professor sub-zero you have buzzsaw you have fireball you have dynamo you have uh captain freedom captain freedom you know and they're just such interesting who's your, who's your favorite who's your favorite uh that's a tough one, man. That's a that's a real tough one because I, well, oh, I don't I don't know which one to pick. I mean, there's we, so we many of them. Mike to pick well, why don't we just have them all? We yeah, asked Mike I'm, to I'm pick put... his favorite car, so you've got yeah. to answer. Now, if it makes it easier, you can we'll stall. You can yeah. think about. Well, no, it. Well, no, actually, I want mine. the same deal that that Richard Dawson gives that guy when he asks him which stalker he wants to pick. He goes, "Well, you can have them both, Dynamo and, and Buzzsaw." Buzzsaw. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you're picking both of those guys? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this concept of the stalkers and like, you know, having to go through all these different quads and I mean, the concept that, you know, if you survive the night, then you'll get a pardon and you'll go to Hawaii and everything and then of course you find out particularly in the scene with Jim Brown with Fireball, you know, Whitman Price and Hadot. Hadot. And she's like Whitman, Price, and Hadot, last season's winners. No, last season's losers. <laughs> but very, very colorful characters. Um, you know, the two guys that wind up kind of coming along with Schwarzenegger for the adventure and everything. The guys, the nerd. Yeah, you've got, uh, what is it, Weiss and Laughlin. So you've got Yafakoto and Marvin, what's the actor's name? Marvin McIntyre? The only thing I'm going to say, like, the fatal flaw is not casting that role, Eddie Deason. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to figure out what the code is so we can, you know, bring down the fascist ICS television series. Uh, He was too busy. He was too busy in Critters 2 that year. Eddie Deason. I hope you're doing okay, Eddie. He's not. I hope he is. Okay. I don't know. I think he gets quite a bit of... He's not doing okay. Oh, no? No. No. No, he had some trouble recently. We'll we'll leave it at that. I don't want to bum this fucking show down too much. Jeez, man. Why are you bringing me down, man? 
Brad Hunt, the Running Man. Running Man. Um, but you know this idea too of just fascism taking over, totalitarian state and everything. Yeah. You know this dystopian idea, nineteen eighty four ish, Brave New World, right? Bread and circuses keeping the uh, the people asleep, and of course they're gambling on this too. Hey man, did you watch Running Man last night? Yeah, I won five hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, and all the all the the. <laughs> The prizes that you win for correctly guessing who's going to murder who. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> a big kick. It's like, oh, yeah, so you get this and you get this. And- Here's a bunch of shit. They like literally <laughs> shove it yeah. in their arms. And like, then you, go. you get a copy of the Running Man home game, which, oh you know, that's, that's something you have to be a child of the 80s you to appreciate. You have to understand Seven, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because like the prizes that you get on game show, and that's one of my favorite things to watch on these old game shows, the whole, the last four minutes the consolation are the consolation, consolation prizes, and they're always, it's like, when I watch it now, I'm always like, I, I want it, I want that, like, <laughs> yeah. holy fuck, they're giving away that, yeah, like, a globe it. bar? <laughs> right. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm so in. So, Give I mean, it to me. There's a lot of tropes and stuff that would definitely be recognizable to people of the era. Um, you know, we, we can go back and look at this as a historical artifact, but at the same time, too, there's something that's very contemporary about it as well. Because what was dreamed of, m- what might be this kind of just fascist, you know, dystopian state in the future, it's coming to pass. Yeah. It's definitely coming to pass. Topical. Um, and then, of course, the resistance, which uh, we kind of meet at the very, very beginning of, of the movie. They're the ones that help Schwarzenegger's character, you know, get the explosive collar off around his neck and right, everything. Right, the underground. And they even try to recruit him, too. They're kind of like, you know, you could help us fight. You know, Mick Fleetwood, whose character's name is Mick, and there's a little bit of kind of autobiography in this, too. You know, you're a cop. You're the one that burnt my songs, you know? So it's like, wow, right. dude, they're fucking censoring Fleetwood Mac. Holy shit, you know? So right. it gives that kind of weird credibility to the movie as well. And then, of course, you have fucking Dweezil Zappa, who when they break into, when when uh, they're actually going to try to pirate the signal, which this is something that happens in They Live as well, you know? They're That's trying right. to kind of control the signal and wake the people up and everything. Dweezil Zappa and his little kind of commando team have to break into Kurt Fuller's control room and make sure that they don't try to, like, you know, reestablish control and everything. And Dweezil Zappa says, don't change that channel. Or don't change the dial. That's right. Which that's is like right. a quote from fucking a Frank Zappa song, you know, right. Mother, yeah, that's Mothers right. of Invention. That's that's right. I didn't think about that. That's true. So you get all these kind of like weird little pop culture references. You know, Mr. Spock, you have the con. And the guy's like, who the hell is Mr. Who's Spock? Who's Mr. Spock? Which, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if, if it weren't for fucking Strange New Worlds, I don't think people would know anymore. Yeah. What? Brandon, do you spend any time with people of a certain age, you know, or at least people significantly under the age of, say, 35? What? (laughs) Yeah. There is so much pop culture history that is just being lost. You're right. That's true. I, I mean, I do know it is. That. It's just it's going bye bye, and you know that's part of the reason I think why mm. you and I started doing this show too was that there's just because something didn't come out in the last six months doesn't mean that it's shit. Right now, actually, I kind of uh, this is a really uh, that sound means we've recorded for three hours. This is a really um, ham fisted segue of just saying like um, the the notion. Okay, 
do you think so i didn't watch this movie when i was a kid when i was younger mm-hmm. um i came to this movie late in the game and i think we might have talked about this arnold thing before so i did the same with like commando yeah. there's a real nostalgia for commando that a lot of people our age have sure that I don't have because I was like I went Predator into T two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I kind of skipped like I, I missed or whatever those earlier movies. I those were like super edgy to me and like super rad and I was like, fuck yeah, these are the movies. So when I recently I've like tried to rewatch like let's say Commando and I was like, Yeah, this doesn't hit for me, you know, the way do you, does the Running Man fit in that category for you guys? Because it was another one. I was late to the game of watching sure. it. And well, you were what five, six years old when this movie came out. Look, yeah, I certainly didn't see it at the time. the 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 last time I saw, I mean, I was I was seven when it came out. Yeah, the, so I, I know I know I've got a couple yeah, years. I was on like you, eleven, so. twelve when it came yeah. out. The so. first time I saw it. I didn't. I could give a shit. I remember thinking like, "Huh, don't care." We're talking about Commando, right? Or are we talking? No, about I'm sorry. Man? We're talking about Running, okay, running, running Man. Running okay. Man. Yeah, yeah. The Running Man. I really. I was like, I don't like this movie. I remember never liking it. This. I think I've only seen Running Man twice in my life. Hmm, That's okay. all I've seen it. And yeah. The second time I told was you just recently. Yeah. The first time I saw it was like '88 from the video store. Yeah. Um, and pre-blockbuster, so this was the mom and pop neighborhood yeah. video store. Um, Red Rabbit and St. Pete. Yeah, and yeah. I did not. Um, what may have been actually earlier than that, but anyway, um, I, I was just never, I think it was because I was of a certain age that I, I just wasn't really a huge Arnold fan back then. Interesting. Um, up until I did see Predator and that one I did like, but that wasn't just because of Arnold. It was mainly because of the, because the the movie is fucking awesome. Great. Yeah. You know, Carl, it's not right. It's not Arnold's. It's not Arnold's vehicle. I'm used to it, but it isn't. My introduction to Arnold was fucking Conan. You know, so Conan yeah. the Barbarian, yeah. and Conan the Destroyer. I didn't see that till <clears throat> two years ago. The you guys, Terminator. I didn't see Conan f- all the way through until we did our episode on it. Oh, yeah? Like, I that movie, again, The lost. Wizards and Warlocks episode? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's season two, guys. Check it out. Wizards and Warlocks. It's it's really good. Callback. Nice. Um, but, you know, the last, the last time I watched, I did not, full disclosure, I did not watch Running Man for this episode um, because I've the the last time I saw it was relatively recently. Mm-hmm. But I approached it not from a nostalgia aspect, but from the game show perspective of loving Richard Dawson. Yeah. And it succeeds. It succeeded beyond... Like, it was weird how I had to kind of curate it for myself. I was like, if I think of this as an Arnold movie, I'm going to be disappointed because Total Recall is so much well, gnarlier. And to be fair, you know? yeah, true. It's, it's a weird... Arnold movie, right? Even for that period, it's it kind of stands out. Yeah. It's distinct. It's oh. a weird Arnold movie. Let's, well, let's not let's not like he's because it's Vestron. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. It's because it's Vestron. But also, guys, yeah. bottom line, not the right casting choice for that movie. Like it, like source material, and then even if you were to read that screenplay, you would be like, Arnold well, doesn't need to be the well. well like it's interesting to me. It feels like a John Carpenter movie, and and I started imagining when I watched it. What if John Carpenter made The Running Man, and Dude, who would he cast in it? Fuck off! So that's the Kurt best. Russell. <laughs> Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell would be Arnold. Yeah. Oh my. Adrian God. Barbeau, of course, would be the, uh, yeah, the you know Amber. Amber, right? Um, Dawson can still be in yeah. it, of course. Because um, yes. the movie doesn't work without him. I mean, think think about it. To me, it feels like someone trying to make a John Carpenter movie in a way. There's a, there's all these without parallels. the style. 
I mean, not to, no, not to shit on no, the movie. No, I'm, shitting, yeah, I'm, I'm not shitting on it at yeah. all. It's not fair to compare it to Carpenter, but, but, it's just, but it does remind me of that. It like, is kind of style-less, well, right? it's like, mining the same exactly, kind of vein. Exactly, And I couldn't, when I watched it the second time, ha- full disclosure, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. Um, I think everybody here is. I mean, I don't know yeah. how you couldn't be, but uh, so I, I, it was interesting watching it the second time as an adult and really kind of connecting to it and not just the game show way, but also the way of, uh, you know, oh, shit, this is like John Carpenter. Though not as good, but that's because it's Carpenter, right? Yeah, right, because so, it's hard to be as but, good as Carpenter. But then, inevitably, by the end of the film, I'm like, okay, so someone who could play that role. And that, you know, I love doing like the recasting. Dream, Dreamcasting yeah, and stuff dream like casting. that is awesome. Yeah. I, I, like, it's it's a lot of fun to do. Um, Does Sega still hold the copyright on that? So depending on, on how this whole... Dreamcast? Dreamcast? Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how this whole AI craze really fames, maybe, maybe AI can make a movie in the style of John Carpenter oh. with these AI versions of Kurt Russell and Adrienne Barbeau. And Let's everything. get on it. Hey, do you, you know, I would that, say that Alexa? probably the hard part about that, too, is that there's so many things about this movie that are so similar to Escape from New York. Yes, big time. You know, I so, think that's what it is, maybe. It's like, oh, okay, it's it, it feels like John Carpenter because of these Escape from New York. Certain tropes that exactly. are just, you know, that were really imprinted by John Carpenter. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, that is one of the things that maybe kind of throw certain you know people off about it but i you know i i just think it's such a wacky hodgepodge too. yeah because yeah. it is a very strange yeah. movie when you really look at this in the oeuvre of schwarzenegger films and everything it's almost an outlier well kind of sort of yeah. because you know schwarzenegger you know starts off with you know conan and Terminator. the barbarian and, and and well you know that's still kind of a low yep. budget thing but then we start to get into predator which is you know another kind of tent pole type movie i know exactly where you're going the fact which one came out first running man or predator running man okay yep. so arnold no wait i'm sorry no i take that back i think predator came out first probably barely look here's the, the, the by a matter of months maybe. maybe the point i'm trying to make is this like because they changed where this movie was released because they didn't want it going up against predator all right. Now, so that's that interesting. If, if that if anything that proves my point. So like Arnold hit some prestige with Conan, right? And mm-hmm. but that's more because Milius was part of that sure. that era of filmmakers, right? Movies a hit, but he was basically a B movie actor. And even the first Terminator is a low budget let's B just, movie, yeah, definitely. B movie definitely. that was obviously incredible and yep. better and and did it, but he still struggled for no, i'm sorry uh, predator did come out first that was a summer release and this was november november yep. yeah. so okay. barely yeah I, a few I, months if anything i'll bet you running man shot first because i know predator had an extended uh post run or a yeah. uh, uh, production run so i'm just thinking my what i'm trying to say is that like predator, step up step down step up step predator down. is the movie that launched if terminator is the movie that put him um on the radar of like badasses, mm-hmm. right? Term- Predator is the movie that launched him out of his B movie confines, which is the Running Man is still there, yeah. and Commando is still a B sure, movie, but he was still a star at that point. Still but, a star, yeah. but a B- <clears throat> but not a mega, but like mega a star, star like Chuck yeah. Norris was. That's until fair. Until that's fair. Eighty seven out, yeah, that's where out. he blows up, yeah. So it's like. You know, he crossover. He does like a Motley Crue thing. You know, like Motley Crue, great music up, but you know they have to do uh, a ballad 
for the lady, home sweet home, to cross over into a mainstream audience. You know it's what I mean? It's a weird analogy. It is a weird analogy. <laughs> it is a weird it's analogy. It's pretty great, though. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so, anyway. I, it's time appropriate. <laughs> but the thing, the, that's, that's what true. I'll say Topical. is, Arnold is... You want to like, throw a kiss thing in there? We could do. We could talk about kiss. Oh about yeah, kiss. my choice. It's really when he can runaway. take the makeup off, you know, and just let the music. <laughs> so the gimmick is gone. Chris, Running Man is awesome. I, it really is. It's I a lot mean, of fun. it's only yeah, it is. I it's, think it has only gotten better as the years have gone on, and we've become yeah. a much more cynical society. Yes. You know what I mean? Most like definitely. Like I said, from Agreed. the first time I saw it to being like a little underwhelmed to the most recent time I saw it, yeah, where I'm like, great. This is awesome. Yeah. This is so rad and like wild and weird. Um, it really fits. Do you have anything else, Chris? To, like, well, you know, just things to kind of talk about. Uh, barbed wire, you know, slashing throats, and of course, blood pouring out all over the place. Yeah, uh, chainsawing someone in the nuts and pretty mm-hmm. much cutting them in half. Blood spraying all over their face. Squibs galore. Lots of squibs. Uh, fucking after they do the whole kind of deep fake thing where uh, Jesse the Body Ventura decides I'm not going to fucking go out there and fight this guy because you're making all this mamby-pamby, you know, commercial shit, having me do that. Fuck that. So because they can't get a handle on on Schwarzenegger's character, well, we're going to kill him off using the computer. Right. So everybody thinks he's dead. And, of course, that fight scene's pretty awesome, too, when fucking Jesse Ventura, who is about four inches taller and about 50 pounds heavier than Arnold Schwarzenegger is. he also claims to have bigger biceps. Of course, what's the story that uh, that Schwarzenegger gives? Yeah, I paid the guy to tell him that. Yeah, right. Paid the costumer to tell him that his biceps are big. It's bullshit. He's more like a, <laughs> he's more like a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. But I mean, he picks up Puny Schwarzenegger. Girly <laughs> <laughs> man. Um, impalements and everything too. Yes, you know, and it's a gnarly movie. It really is. And just some of the fucking lines in this movie just are great it's an endlessly quotable movie can you give us a couple more can you give us a couple more one-liners killian i'll be back only in a rerun that's it <laughs> awesome yeah that was like, dawson wins that, that yeah dawson, dawson, totally dawson slammed that, that shit one. in his face burn Hello, sweetie pie. One of us is in big trouble. You know, it's, like, it's another great one. Actually, I'm just quoting Dawson's line. Don't touch the fucking hair. <laughs> I love seeing Richard Dawson say fuck. Yeah. I love it. I love it when like. Because you that- know he was saying it all the time behind the, yeah. the scenes. Are you, you right. Know, like- it's like. I, I. Well, no, I heard something about this movie as well, though, that Dawson originally in the script had much more profanity in it. And he said, "No, I'm cutting down on the profanity. Good for it's like, him. You'll get maybe one makes fuck, it, one fuck out. Makes of it more yeah. impactful, it and does. that's it." He goes, "I yeah. don't want to be swearing every other word and stuff." And I think that was probably the right choice, I most agree. definitely. Because I agree. There was a certain image that I think he was still trying to kind of perpetuate. You know, he's having a little bit of fun with his image in this movie, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just. It's Richard Dawson's show. Yeah. I mean, it's a Schwarzenegger movie, but like I've said it before, I'll say it again. This movie does not work without that man playing that role. Agreed. Now, can we do something real quick before we move on? Sure. Can we just try to, Mike, you suggested this. Can we try to recast it right now? So let's cast an A-lister as the lead, and let's cast a game show host as the villain. 
The game show host is going to be really tough. I don't know. I think we could probably do this. Quite are easily. we talking I've got modern? Two. I've contemporary. Got, yes, contemporary. contemporary. I've okay. got two. I've got two game shows. I'm going to throw out. So at you guys. actually, we're we're going completely contemporary. 2023 yes. casting okay. of the a remake yes. of this movie. Yeah. Okay. Get um throw out two two people for the villain role. Oh, okay. Go sure. for it. <clears throat> Steve Harvey. <laughs> I had him in my head. I mean, maybe it's obvious. <laughs> you just went ahead and picked a, a, another. Maybe it's obvious. Keep the family, family feud. feud. Okay. Yeah. If it's too obvious, I think that could be fun, though. If it's too obvious, I got one more for you guys. In the butt, Chuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wrong game show. <laughs> Alec Baldwin. What Ooh. game show? Match game, motherfucker. Oh shit. Okay. I think Steve Harvey's more interesting. You think so? Yeah. Alec Baldwin is would be a great villain. Has he ever played a villain? Alec Baldwin? Other than in real life? Yeah. What? He's the villain in the Cat in the Hat movie with <laughs> Mike Myers. Oh, my God. How do you know this? <laughs> I have children. <laughs> kids watch the Cat in the Hat movie? My kids did. Oh, my okay. God. So let's move on to the other one. Let's move on to the lead. You guys have a thought? I, don't know, I had another one that we could throw out oh, contemporary, who? too. Simon Cowell. Oh, he would be a good villain. <laughs> How about Katy Perry while we're at it? Well, actually, no. Why don't we just gender swap Howie Mandel. <laughs> that's a guaranteed way. Uh, you know what, Chris? That's Gord- pretty fascinating. Not quite a game show, but kind of fits. What about Gordon Ramsay? Gordon Ramsay, Mike? That's that wild. A, that would be an interesting. You fuck! Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's raw. <laughs> In his contract, unlike Richard Dawson, he would actually have more fucks that he would want yeah, to put yeah. in. There's not enough fucks yeah, in my fucking contract. Maybe he would overdo it a little bit mm. too much. Okay, great. Okay. The Arnold role. All good choices, guys. Let's move on to the Arnold role. Oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you've seen the rundown, right? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Actually, not bad. It's not a bad thing. Um, hmm. I feel like I'd want to go. John see- Cena? <laughs> no, John like, Cena should be Buzzsaw. I feel like I really would. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, oh, I got somebody. This is out of left field, but why not? Because we were talking about David Bruckner earlier. How about Dan Stevens as the runner? Yeah, as the as runner. Ben Richards. Yeah, make him a little bit more of an everyman. Yeah. Would we change the script a little bit? We would. We'd, we'd make it. We'd an, have to hew closer to the contemporary original, times. The, yeah. the, maybe closer to the novel. I could see that. Actually, I like Dan Stevens. I think he's very talented. What I if think we get someone like? Edgar Breath. Wright to direct. Ooh, Ooh that would I be... I like that. Yeah, me too. That'd be really good. What yeah. would the fucking soundtrack sound like? Oh, my God. You'd have... Well, he. I think he'd have the balls to bring Faltermeyer back full scale, like, yeah. to do the whole thing. Well, Faltermeyer yeah. did do the whole thing in this movie. Other than... I'm talking about, unlike Maverick. Oh, yes. Or having, like, a killer Italo disco soundtrack or oh, something. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, amazing. dude. Yes. Um, well, then we'd have to bring back Giorgio Moroder, Then bring, bring Moroder Bring him back, back from the, the dead. From yeah, the use Marauder's corpse, it is comes out of the ground and is puppeted. Actually, that's what, that's what the credit actually reads. And he goes, "It's a bee." Yeah. <laughs> Giorgio is a bee. Giorgio, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Which, if you haven't, that's one of the best parts of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Is Chris? That'll be fucking that months out by the time. Yes, this I know. Goes I know. All right, Chris. Awesome choice, man. The thank running you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great choice. Yeah, great I'm choice. glad I changed my choice. It is, it's going to be hard to top, but yeah. I'm going to goddamn try with my choice for tonight's film. Who loves you and who do you love? Well, guys, 
my choice for tonight's double feature pairing of Death Race 2000 is 1990s, oh, 89, whatever, Robot Jocks. It's a new age of combat. Human beings, genetically engineered to be the best fighters in history. Two champions. It isn't over until someone wins. <laughs> At war with each other. Achilles, I have already killed you. Two invincible men. Let's finish it, Alexander, here now. The ultimate killing machines. I'm gonna get in this thing. And I'm gonna kick your... Directed by the master, Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. The fucking master, Stuart Gordon. Reanimator. <sighs> Reanimator from beyond. Dolls. Dolls. Do- <laughs> Space truckers. <laughs> he did. The, what was the one? Oh, Stuck. Did you guys ever see Stuck? No. I did not see that. With uh, uh, what's, her, what's the girl's name from uh, American Beauty? Uh, the one who Which, gets naked. Oh, uh... Well, they both. I do. guess they both do, but not the one that had the shitty dad in real life. The 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 masturbatory well, fantasy. Mina Suvari. Suvari. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see? You guys ever see that movie about the woman? Uh, oh my god! You have you never seen this, Chris? No, I've never seen this. about a woman who's like driving home, like this kind of like white trash woman, and she hits a guy on her drive home, like a hit and run, but he gets stuck in the front windshield of her car, and he's kind of like. Half alive, half dead. Isn't that a true story? Yes. Oh my god. You guys have no. It's insane. I, I know. I think I know the true story, but yeah. I didn't know that they had made a movie out of it. And let alone, I had no idea that Stuart Gordon was responsible. Worth yeah. watching for that reason alone, and okay. also, of course, Dagon, which is fucking outrageous. Yeah. Um. All right. Written by Joe Haldeman. Is that right? Is that yeah, Joe Haldeman? Joe yeah. Haldeman. Okay. Known for his novels or you know, the series, the. Forever War. Okay. Uh, star- <laughs> starring. What do you mean? The novels? Does that mean you got to read a book? I can't read books. <laughs> starring Gary Graham, Anne Marie Johnson, Paul Coslow, Robert Sampson, Michael Aldridge, and just kind of a little hint of Jeffrey Combs. Just a little hint, yeah. Just a little touch. Hey, I want a piece of that. Just a touch of Combs, just a touch of Combs. <laughs> <laughs> just a touch of love, just a touch of love. Had that great little synth line in her sister act. Yeah. In a dystopian future, you guys noticing a theme? Mm. In Ooh. a dystopian future, mankind has forsaken global wars for battles of single combat. 
The world has been divided into two opposing superpowers with each side represented by trained champions. Wait a second. Isn't that like the first line of the opening crawl on this movie? Yeah, I, that's a, the worst synopsis. Um, instead of fighting wars, people get into robots and punch each other in the robot dick. Well, there's, not, there's, there's a precedent for that in history. Okay, that's what it is. I guess yeah. I didn't really pay attention when I, when I pasted that in, but uh, there you go. Um robot jocks holy fuck uh, it's okay i i made a mistake guys by having a job <laughs> <laughs> that i had to like put my focus on my work today uh and the day before um because i really i really wanted to organize my thoughts on robot jocks into what it deserves because bottom line there are a lot of movies we talk about on this show mm-hmm. that have a cult background, that have a love behind them, but that are, people are kind of familiar. Robot jocks, I fucking never, ever hear people talk about this movie. Ever. No. And even, and you know, I'm on Letterboxd. I love well, Letterboxd. Well, be happy that I'm here because I'm one of the few people... That has seen this movie enough times to where I can share the love with you. I, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Now, Mike, you had never seen this movie? No, I mean, you know me, I go pretty deep. Yeah. Um, I get into a lot of classic cinema, too, not just cult films. Right. Um, I had never even heard of this movie uh, when you texted it to me. Um, not entirely true, because Chris and I were talking, and he brought up a, uh, I think, a trailer for the movie we were yeah, talking like the about. Ad campaign and stuff. And yeah. I do vaguely remember a TV spot. But not when you first told me um when you first texted me about this about Robot Jocks. And I watched it. I I watched it this week. Um but that is the first time I had even wow. heard of it. I saw Gary Graham in it. He's like a poor man's Mark Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> uh Right away. And he's been in other stuff, of course, but I yeah. saw him like, he reminds me of Mark Harmon, yeah. but he's not Mark Harmon. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Alienation, uh, man. A poor man's Mark. That's incredible. We live in an era, we, like, post-Transformers films, mm-hmm. all right, that it's kind of hard. It's, how do I, all right, there, there's so many ways to approach discussing robot jocks, but I think, how about this? Fuck it. Let's just start with the obvious. Stuart Gordon knows what the fuck is up, okay? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if there's anything that you're, like, if you watch a St- Stuart Gordon movie and you, you're you frustrated or bothered by it, it's probably because it's hampered by something. Budget limitations, usually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this movie is, is no exception. The skill that's happening behind the scenes, behind the camera, is undeniable if you're aware of it Mm -hmm. but here's the here's the problem so robot jocks is an empire pictures production empire of course good old charlie band that's right and (laughs) you know we we i'll save the history lesson on empire we'll probably get into well we will get into it later on Mm -hmm. in the season Mm -hmm. um but empire pictures for a few years could do no fucking wrong they were rolling in the dough Okay, they may, had a big hit with Ghoulies. They kept going. They uh, kept going. Yeah. Um, and you know, Charlie Band, the producer, was great. He was one of those old school Corman producers. He would make a poster first, 
and then take it and sell the rights internationally and get the budget to make a movie. And he would go, I don't know what the fucking movie is about, you know, but look, it's called Terror Vision. <laughs> right. We already got it bought. Got a you title. Got I got two a poster. million bucks to make or a million bucks to make it. Do it. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. And he was doing great. He was throwing money into movies. Stuart Gordon was his. If Empire Pictures was DreamWorks, and and Charlie Band was like the Jeffrey Katzenberg, Stuart Gordon was the Steven Spielberg. Okay, okay. like you could not uh, 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 reel the guy in. You just couldn't. He is was a genius. He knew what he was doing. He was well respected by everybody. Well loved. And he was powerful enough to be like, I know what the fuck is up, mm-hmm. so let me do what I want to do. And Charlie Band was like, well, Stu-, Stu knows. I mean, he gave us hits. He gave us Reanimator, yeah. which was a huge hit for Empire. Yeah. Put him on the fucking be... map. Yeah, Still is a huge hit. Yep. <clears throat> it's still raking in the dough. You know, it's fucking outrageous. So there was like a, 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 a mutual respect, admiration, and trust for Stuart Gordon. And... Uh, so Charlie Band gave him a lot of money to make robot jocks. When I say a lot of money, I mean a lot of money for Empire. Because right, right. this movie did not have a big budget. No. But a big budget for a low budget, not even studio, mini studio. And you can tell where the money went. Yeah. You can see it. And you guys know something? You know where the money went? A big portion of it? David Allen. David Allen's production, uh, stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that in a second. But... The problem with robot jocks, the issue, the, the, the major problem is that it took so long to make, to produce, by the time it came out, Batman, you know, like all of these like huge movies right. that had these huge that, that budgets. That was 89. I mean, yeah. the, you, yeah. Batman, Last Crusade, Star Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, we talked, yeah, 89 was a fucking outrageous year for Honey, movies. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Well... It's funny you say that because Stuart Gordon was originally supposed Stuart to Stuart Gordon that movie. was the original director of Honey I Shrunk the Kids. And the screenplay is written by Dennis Paoli and um uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's head, the guys that wrote motherfucking Ghoulies 2 <laughs> and <laughs> Reanimator. Stuart Gordon got sick and he was unable to direct Honey I Shrunk the Kids, but they were weeks away from production and Joe Johnston stepped in mm-hmm. as he is often does yeah that's 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 his thing that's his thing that's his thing uh and sometimes he makes gold and sometimes he makes um turds turds so um but Stuart gordon was still in that mindset basically Stuart gordon was watching tv one morning and he saw transformers and he was like now hold on why the fuck isn't this a movie what the fuck yeah so that's what he set out to make. But the thing with Stuart Gordon is he can't just make a fun movie. It has to have satire. It has to have right. a message. It has to be about something. So he makes this movie. He gets it going draft after draft. You get He hires sci-fi specialist Joe Haldeman. Mm-hmm. They butt heads because the infamous quote, that Stuart Gordon had that they had was when Haldeman eventually left the project. Uh, Stuart Gordon said, "The problem, Joe, is that you're trying to make uh, a children's movie for adults, 
Is, is that how it no, went? Or well, go- the philosophical. I thought that was what he. It was like a phil- that was the debate. He goes, but I'm trying to make a movie for children. I'm I totally butchered that quote, but it was something that like made sense. Mm-hmm. Gordon's trying to make a kids movie. Well, here's the other thing too: is that Joe Haldeman was a veteran. Yeah, and so a lot of the themes of you know being a veteran, being a soldier, and everything, yeah, kind of playing that. So, I, and I don't even know. I think Haldeman had already had had ideas about this particular story before he started really turning it into a screenplay. And I think Charlie Band heard about it, and said, "Yeah, let's let's go with that." And then, of course, when Stuart Gordon kind of got involved in everything too, it was it was too philosophical. It was too you know, uh, yeah. navel-gazing kind of right. stuff One's going a on. sci-fi author who's right. tackling themes like Heinlein would, you mm-hmm. know, with a little bit of a mysticism, and then you've got motherfucking Stuart Gordon who's like, no, Barbara Crampton gets, uh, you know, her pussy licked by a severed head. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, so that's... That's the approach he took to a movie about... Or a chainsaw dick. Uh, yeah. Um, that's the approach he took to a movie about robots fighting each other. Now, it's obvious. You guys remember Pacific Rim? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that movie owes it's, a great it's, debt it's to this movie. directly indebted to this film. Are you fuck? It's a ripoff. Yeah, it's... It's outrageous. It's how much it pilfers mm-hmm. from the film. Which whatever it's what we do it's what yeah. it's what's done but hey, talent one, borrows and genius steals I was, I was sure su- I was surprised by it because I you know I I obviously I'd seen Pacific Rim before this film because I literally just watched this a few nights ago and uh, you know when I first saw that I was like okay they're doing they're making like a kaiju film yeah but watching this right away I'm like oh shit Pacific Rim. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but also, you know, I, I think that that's an oversimplification, too, because, yeah. Yeah. you know, when we tell the story that, well, Stuart Gordon saw Transformers and thought, let me just make a big giant robot movie and everything like that. You can even go back prior to Transformers. You go back to, say, uh, Transor Z or Mazinger Z, where you actually have a pilot piloting yeah. Voltron. Voltron. Yes. Fucking Voltron. Yes. Predates even, you know, Transformers. And this movie like owes kind of debts to Voltron. There's yeah. an incredible Agreed. sequence. But this, this concept, yes. too, of, like, you know, Mech Warriors. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, Mech Warrior was a big fucking game that I think its first iterations kind of started to kind of come around this time, too, where, yeah, you have these giant battle mechs that are going up against one another. You know, if we kind of evolve things from just your know, tank warfare into right. you know giant robot warfare you know where do you go from there and that's another thing that i found very very interesting about this was that you know the certain geopolitical stuff was super interesting to me in this movie and i think probably again by the time the movie actually came out it ends up feeling a little dated well because, definitely because you know communism had fallen at yeah. that point and you know the right. big bad is a russian um what do you what's the word uh oh over actor yeah uh no Paul Coslow as the villain is incredible. Yeah. But before we get into that, I actually, and that'll lead me in because one last thing about Stu Gor- Stuart Gordon in this. Like, so the movie is outrageous, but what it does is the one thing that I love about low budget uh, genre films mm-hmm. that, like, the best of them. Guys, the performances in this movie are, they're like, there's, no way they could ever be better. Like they are committed to the roles. Committed. Yep. And you can see 
You can see Stuart Gordon's direction in the film. These actors are working in every scene. The problem is that it's fucking silly, you know? Right. Like, it's goofball, but they're all so... But it's not played like that. No. At all. And it's well, not yeah, part it's of not it, too, the things that might be sort of goofball is, I think, probably one of the strengths of this movie, is the world building. You know, in all of these movies, the world building that takes place, because it's like, let's go ahead and let's extrapolate a little bit. You know, this is not the, this is not supposed to be the world that we're living in. But once again, we're making commentary on the world that we're living in. Um, And... You know, just the little minute details. I mean, you guys, when you saw one another and started to do the whole crash and burn thing, you know, it's like these little (laughs) cultural touches, uh, the fucking little fucking rat tails, the curly (laughs) rat tails and all the tubies and stuff, you know, these little things that are just kind of indicators that, you know, they don't call attention to them too much. They're just things that naturally occur within the world that they're portraying. Right. And that kind of gives a little bit of breadth and depth without having to go into a lot of exposition about it. You're right, dude. I mean, there's literally lines of dialogue where they go, we have union. Mm-hmm. Union is what happens when you connect with the mech robot yeah. that you jump into. Right. Like, they don't... That's it. We have union. That's the explanation for the science fiction. And, you know, I don't want to shit on Pacific Rim, but, like, Guillermo del Toro spends all this time talking about, like, these psychic uplinks and blah, 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 boop, 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 <laughs> for an hour <laughs> that you're like, cut it. That's true. Because, guys, fucking robot jocks is 85 minutes long and five minutes are credits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's 80 minutes mm-hmm. long. Let me just throw out a couple of drive-in-worthy things that this movie has, okay? Um, Besides Chainsaw Dick? Uh, you get... The movie opens up with this desolate robot war zone, okay? Um, followed up immediately by a cold-blooded robot snow stomping. A fucking robot squashes a dude in another robot, and just trapped <sighs> inside that that other robot. Yeah, yeah. we're we're two I minutes into the movie. I ask for judgment. Judgment. I would like judgment. Um, and then immediately after the snow stomping, curb stomping, whatever you want to call it, you get a cowboy man in future clothes, complete with a black hat. Like <laughs> fuck off. All right, this guy is working. Um, you get future karate there's a scene right off the bat there's a lot of future stuff in this movie but like future karate in the year 2000 i can't believe we didn't reference that earlier he does in every other episode yeah Yeah. i do it a lot there's a a future karate sequence i know but death race 2000 anyway fuck we i thought about doing it earlier i'm like i don't know if it'll land so i know it it it, it never lands but it does happen Anyway, future karate. <laughs> He's right. About, He's right. You're talking about future karate. There's a, the, a a scene of future karate with Gary Graham that actually the one scene has a three act structure. It has this dude kicking ass and being like, "Okay, so I'm really good," hurting somebody too much to the point where they're like, "I'm not shaking hands with you." And then everybody's like, "It's okay. You're the best that there he could possibly be." Yeah. And then they. The guy's like, fuck off, and then they fight again, and all hope is lost until Gary Graham kicks his ass and they all succeed. It's a a two-minute scene <laughs> that has three acts in it. It's unbelievable. Right. Um, the other thing that this movie has, and I, I love this about Stuart Gordon, is even, 
even Barbara in, in Reanimator, while she ends up being kind of a damsel in distress, mm-hmm. she does have agency. Yeah. She and she is a strong character. But this movie has a fucking badass woman. Yeah, Emery Johnson. She's incredible. She's great. And by the way, guys, a hundred Okay, I'm exaggerating. Ten times more charisma than Brie Larson. Give me Anne Marie give me Anne Marie as Captain Marvel all day, any day. Hmm. I I'm not gonna argue yeah, with no, that. I don't know. Yeah. She's fucking rad. Yeah. Um you get genetically engineered robot jocks trainees called gen jocks. Mm-hmm. Right. But they have a, a a term, a hateful term used to describe them. And you said it earlier. Tubies. 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 Fucking incredible. Again, this world building. It's it's incredible. But the thing is, is it's it's almost like every scene Can we skip the middleman, make a direct deposit? Yes. <laughs> but the movie oh, that keeps line. It's, like, it's, are we supposed to like this guy? Creepy. Yeah, but it's great because you're like, right, like, well, I guess he's kind of conservative in his belief system, and, yeah. and I kind of get it, but he goes through an arc. Yeah. We we understand, like, he ha- he is, he does not trust the government's creation, you know, and he, and he has good reason not to. Anyway. Right. And he right. can't read. And he can't read. Oh, my God. Or dance. Oh, my God. Well, you know, as cheesy as that may kind of seem and everything, though, there's, I think there's something to be said about that as well. Like the idea of keeping a populace ignorant, um, you know, that you yes. can really control them Your in warriors, much better. Exactly. The ones that are, that are yeah. in charge to do battle. Your military men. You know, right. just like let's yeah. just be jingoistic. Although about there's it. a point yeah. later on in the movie where Gary Graham does have like a clipboard with a bunch of paperwork on it. He's looking at it, it's like what happened on the schedule, and I'm like, well, how can you read that schedule? Yeah, Gary he Graham? just he knows the pictures. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my only down right there. It's just, but guys, you got a you get a, a slogan, and I'll, I'll just touch on it for a second because I want to bring it back later. But crash and burn. Yeah, mm-hmm. what a fucking. But you know, that's a tattoo we should all get. Uh, we're going to get it tonight. <laughs> Sweet. You oh, get a sure. robot launch tower. Fucking rad. You get this epic score. Yeah. The, the production design is out of control. The score is out of control. Um, look, guys. I, it, but then you have this robot battle. And these fucking robots, they fuck. <laughs> I don't With know what else to say. Dicks. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> they are so fucking rad. Yeah, they're very cool. Um. I'm just going to jump forward. I'm just going to keep going, okay? Because you you, you get um you get you get a, a, a sparkle drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want that drink that they have at the bar. It's like sparkling. Right. All right. Um you get a gratuitous gradient nightmare. Um but to your point earlier that you said Mike, you said the audience of these game shows don't get punished. Right. Except for in robot jocks. <laughs> that's true. Oh, they literally get punished. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Because what happens is a robot launches a fist, a flying robot fist, flies across a desert wasteland. Deliberately shot at them. And another robot jumps in front of the flying robot fist, but the robot fist is so strong that it punches the other robot into the, the gathering of people to, into to the, the arena, yeah, and it's not left to our imagination. We see 
children, dead children, dead, dead and children, crushed and murdered, faces like melting, melting off, or off yeah. screaming, and we see it in a nightmare sequence later. I it, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't um, expecting that scene. I was like, oh, okay. You think that, okay, he's going to jump in front of it in the robot. No, it becomes and his... No, it's his... His crisis, his character motivation exactly. for things. Um, but here's the kind of stuff that this movie does that it didn't need to do. They spent the money to build full-scale future apartments that are like absolutely complete with operating amenities. Yeah. There's an entire scene, maybe not the best acted... Where homie wakes up after being hungover. I hate mm-hmm. bad drunk acting. Yeah. Um, but he goes <laughs> yeah, that, through his entire bad. apartment and opens closets, makes coffee. Orange juice. Looking for orange or- juice. Oh, that's so bad. That's yeah. such a bad line delivery. But you know what? That's probably all they could get out of it. You've got fucking... Fuck you guys. There's a future hover car in this movie that is dominant in the action. But let's go into the satire. Chekhov's hover car. Chekhov's hover car. car. Um, yeah, there you go. The satire of this movie. You were talking about like the the swastikas earlier. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, in 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 uh, Death Race, this movie is full of posters of pregnant women with babies prenatal. Uh, a pregnant woman and just says jocks, jocks. You know, like yeah, the whole yeah. idea of like just you know make babies as many babies as you can. There's these posted this ad campaign everywhere and mike as an advertising man as an admin yourself <laughs> how do you think prenatal hits these days <laughs> i it's effective sure I mean, could it be used right now and be an effective ad campaign it would need to be yeah. rebranded but yes ask elon musk <laughs> <laughs> all right there's a scene in the movie with Stuart gordon's wife um carolyn purdy gordon yeah but this future domestic drama there's like a whole scene in the movie oh, where she's the uh in in the apartment right yeah, when he goes, yeah. to, see where he goes to see his brother that's or right, sister yeah, yeah. and her whatever okay, i didn't know that was Stuart gordon's wife it's okay. but that whole scene is so funny it's so again it's so well directed doing our part doing our part and then real meat tonight. we're having meat tonight <laughs> real meat, real yeah, meat yeah. tonight okay yeah um we get uh, a danger room sequence which actually I think is a really effective scene. It's, it's pretty fucking cool. rad. I mean, here's the Kai concept with low budget, you know, and they I think they make the most of it too. Here, shake that camera a little bit more. Let's shake the camera. All right, start flashing Flash the, the lights. lights on and on. Yep, yep. <laughs> Flash the lights. Get some sirens going. Yeah. You actually have. There's so much to talk about. I I, I just I like I just all right. You get spy fi intrigue. It be, at a certain point in the movie, it becomes a fucking spy it, thriller. It, it, a, a, that kind of I felt like it didn't come out of nowhere, but it. I didn't realize they were going to go all in yeah, on that. A full on, on, that espionage on that B, on that B plot, on that, that B subplot. And I, by the way, I don't want to spoil it because no, 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 no. while it's telegraphed very fucking obviously, you know, like yeah. somebody's a fucking spy. You know, you're yeah. like, I wonder who. Yeah. Okay. It's. Is that Jack guy? The, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. The denouement of that is shocking. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And then it and it ends with Well I'll be damned. That sneaky chap motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he quite says that, but close enough. Yeah. Uh yeah. see you in hell. It's fucking wild. Wa- it's wild. Yeah. Okay. Um of course I I 
would be remiss if I didn't mention the glue gun sedative shooter. <laughs> it's like right here. Spray painted hot glue gun. But I love that Stuart Gordon gives even like the the most peripheral of characters. The woman who has trained these tubies. There's a great scene where uh, Anne-Marie Johnson takes over control and goes to fight and do the fight, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're trying to reach her. They're like, hey, stop doing this. Stop now while you still can. But this old woman has one line where she's talking to her and she goes, you're invalidating all of my work. (laughs) That hits so heavy. You're like, Jesus Christ. That is her only line, right? It's, yes. Or, well, she might have had one other one. Yeah. Honest. <laughs> it's honest. Yeah. It's honest. And you're like, wow, there's repercussions. It's just like the Stuart Gordon thing where he's like, "I this woman's going to get a moment. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, it's just, it's wonderful. Um, robot escape. All right. Let's just fucking get to it, guys. Let's just talk about these fucking robo weapons. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. All right. And I'm going to go because what the movie does is absolutely incredible just when you think you've seen them all along comes a lambda three feet tall uh each robot battle in this movie brings a weapon that you had never seen before yeah yeah and it keeps getting absolutely insane. So in order of like appearance okay bat robot battle we get a green laser mm-hmm. what are you gonna do say lasers aren't awesome uh, and then we get a flying fist, flying fist, a is robot cool. flying fist, which is a giant robot trope right there. Oh my God. All right. Battle number two. We get the blinder. Yep. Bright strobe cool. light. Okay. Uh, we get transcension. What is called transcension. At one point, the robot flies and a character goes, he's transcended. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then you get, uh, Bolo Saw. That's pretty cool. Oh my yeah, God. That's Fuck super cool. Off. Yeah. So rad. Then when your head's about to explode, Pummel Fist shows up. Yeah. Just, just robot fist, <laughs> just punching the fuck out of a robot. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's the second battle. And then the third battle, Space Flight. Robocraft ATV, the mm-hmm. thing turns into a fucking Power Ranger, yes. all-terrain vehicle, and, you know, you think... Well, that's you, after its Achilles heel has been destroyed, yeah. too, so it can only ride around. And then just when you think it's all over, it's it could, the robot has a dick that is a chainsaw, yeah. chainsaw and it dick. fucking robot fucks the robot right in the face right in the robot face the spider bot has a chainsaw dick and fucks the robot in the face it's fucking insane (laughs) and that's after there's a robot battle in space with no sound effects because Stuart gordon in space is like there's no sound in space and then you're like well Stu, it's probably if there's anything that you should do it's you should just put sound effects in your battle scene yeah (laughs) because you know yeah but he underscores it he does underscore it. And the score is incredible. Yeah, the score is great. I'm blowing through this, you guys, and I'm sorry. I understand, but no. I feel like it's the best way to do this. Um, after the robot's done, it's not over. You get a mono e mono axe battle. Right. That is fucking rad as hell. And then 
just I'm you know I won't spoil too much more, but I will say that the movie ends on maybe the best shot in the history of cinema. <laughs> it, it's pretty special, and I'm just gonna say it's a thumbs a double thumbs up. And I think if more movies ended <laughs> with characters giving each other a double thumbs up, the world would be fucking perfect. Double I'm just gonna say with the fist bump. Fist bump, Let double thumbs up. Oh my god! So that's the kind of stuff. So, you, and again, by the way, you get like you get Ron Cobb designs mm-hmm. for the sci-fi nerds out there. You mm-hmm. get Peter Coran visual effects. Fucking Mac Alberg. Fucking Mac Alberg cinematography. David Allen stop motion animation. Motherfucking Beekler sneaks in there somehow. Yeah. Um, you get the Paris Philharmonic Orchestra. Right. Huh? Right. And it is a beautiful score. Um, but, uh, like, the, the I, I keep returning to the thumbs up because when, for me, and uh, on my rewatch of this, that ending is so positive. It's so, like, not cynical. It's so... It's unexpected. Unexpected and weird. And, yeah, it's melodramatic. But, oh, it's silly. And but it's, because yeah. the director's like, it's a movie about robots punching each other in the dick. Right. So, of course, it's melodramatic. It's about slavery. The fa- <laughs> sure. I'm dead you're, serious. Yes. You're right. I'm dead serious. You're right. These people are Gladiators slaves. were slaves. Yes. It's true. And that's what's wonderful. So, again, if I think of all of the movies tonight, the, the richest... Of uh of the world building and the satire, I think is actually in Robot Jocks. I think that it does. It's one of those movies that is is surprisingly nuanced that you can pull out of it. But also, if you're a ten year old kid, you're Ro- gonna just fucking love it because you're not gonna be bothered by it. You robot know, fights. Yeah, robot fights. Yeah, and it's it's just um, it's again, it's it's it works on many different. It works levels. on many different levels, and it's goofball. It's like better than it has any right to be. Exactly. Really, yeah. You know, it, absolutely. Jamie was. I was watching this the other night, and Jamie was doing some work on her laptop, and I kept catching her where she stopped typing and she's watching the movie and she's yeah. asking questions. Yeah. And I think she was kind of intrigued by it too, where she's like, "Because usually, what her her when I'm sitting down to watch movies for the show and stuff, she's like, what the fuck are you watching?'" That's usually what her response yeah. is. But like these these were moments she was quiet. And then she'd kind of ask a question about it. And I'd kind of like try to explain it as best I can and then go on with watching the movie. And then I'd catch her again and she'd stop working and hey. she's watching what's going on. And I said, yeah. And I used exactly how you described it. I said, this movie is way better than it has any right to be. It's true. So. It's true. And by the way, there's like a – and I I – we didn't get into this and maybe we we shouldn't too much to not digress mm. too far but like there are kind of pseudo sequels to this movie there is a film called Robot Ro- Wars yeah and then mm. also Crash and Burn but they really don't have anything to do with this movie and they're 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 the world that's built in this movie is completely just yeah and dispensed and, with and it's interesting cuz that's to your the point like yeah. Yeah. Those movies suck, you know, <laughs> right. and like Robot Jocks, just it doesn't suck. Well, you right. have a really good script. I think that's the first, the foundation for this movie is that the ideas that Haldeman's yeah. trying to get across 
are still in there. Now, Mm -hmm. how Stuart Gordon chooses to present them, I think, is probably maybe the saving grace on this. You have a well-written script with a director that's kind of like, well, I'm going to have a slightly different take on this. Which is is interesting. That's arguable, right? Because you can see how it should be done as a serious sci-fi actioner. And because of that, though, is why this movie functions on so many different levels. Well, yeah, if you... It's not going to work when you have no money to make the movie. You're like, okay, we can be really serious with no money, and it's going to be laughed at, or we can just make a movie for kids, or like 10, you know, that's fucking awesome, and then kind of has something to say if you want, when you're older, you can revisit it. Right. Which is kind of what happened to me. I seriously have not probably watched this movie since I was a teenager. This came out in 89.90, so I'm 13 years old when this movie comes out. And I watched it probably from the time I was 13 until I was about 18. I'm like, oh, Robot Jocks is on. You know, I'll sit down and watch yeah. it. And, stuff. and that's probably the last time I saw it. So here we'll fast forward another you know, 25, almost 30 years. And sitting down the other night to watch this movie, it was with a completely different set of eyes. Nice. Now, I was kind of thinking, that's you cool. know, I remember enjoying this movie a lot as a kid. But, you know, going back and watching it, it's probably going to be fucking stupid, low budget, because like, <laughs> I remember the movie very well. It's like, you know, there's a lot of things that really stuck with me. So it was very, very familiar to mm-hmm. me. It wasn't like, but sitting down and doing kind of like a really in-depth, you know, reading of this particular text, I guess we should say. Right. Um, I was finding a lot more there than I had expected to find. It's yeah. like I remember the movie and you know beat for beat I know what's happening I know what's coming next and everything like that but really when I kind of dug down into the minutia of how it was presented mm-hmm. you know how the the story was written and how Stuart Gordon was telling the story yeah. I'm like there is way this once again this movie's way way better than I remember it you yeah. know, I thought it, I always thought it was awesome yeah but you know in spite of its limitations which is something that I can see more clearly now as an adult and having an understanding of film production, you know, and budgetary constraints and everything here, still I'm kind of like, this thing is way better than the sum of its flaws. Well, that's the thing, right? right. Because, like, at the time yeah. the movie came out, like we said earlier, it's it was dated with its effects, right? It just, it doesn't land the same way. Right. And now, but now in our, this basically eye-rape of CGI that we get in mm-hmm. everything... When you watch it now, you're like, holy fuck. Is that why I got conjunctivitis like three times this year? <laughs> yeah. All the eye raping? Yeah, that happens with uh, yeah Disney. Oh, wow. But like, um, this episode is sponsored by Disney. <laughs> but like... <laughs> when... Nano herp! <laughs> <laughs> but when you watch it now, those are the things that are charming about it. And wonderful. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Now, I want Mike, I want to hear, because this was your first time viewing, yeah. and without giving away, because I, I, I do want to wrap it up a little bit here, sure. but without giving too much away, for a first-time viewer who is a cinema lover, yeah. how does a movie as goofball as Robot Jocks land for you? You know, you... My take on it was, you know, you, you you know what the premise is, basically, robot fights. Yeah. I mean, just from the most basic level, um, the title, Robot Jocks, okay, like, sure, this is probably whatever. not going to be good. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, just completely honest. Like, yeah. As an adult, you're like, yeah, it's probably going to be, it's not going to be great. Um, and it kind of starts off, a, you know, it, it, it you're, you're not sure about it. Yeah, <laughs> it takes right. takes a couple minutes. You're right. like, yeah. Uh, and then it's like, oh, okay, this is 
Okay, oh, wow. That happens. That's interesting. Yeah, so it does take a few turns here and there, and the performances are better, the script is better than I thought it was going to be. Would you say you realize that the movie's not really condescending to you? It, like, no, it's, it's like letting you in on things yeah and... no it respects its audience yeah 100 percent. yeah um whether it's kids or adults i mean yeah. it's it's very much like no this is you know the satire lands fine even the spy subplot which was kind of silly yeah uh, still works it still completely works fine i yeah. wasn't expecting it uh especially the violence in that scene was shockingly violent. really shocking mm-hmm. um and very realistic looking. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Wow, those brains on the wall look good. Yeah, pretty, pretty um, out there. But uh, no, it, it works. I, I, I absolutely loved the ending um, for the reason you mentioned. It's just not the cynical ending you would expect. Um, even it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it still somehow works. Um, and it's ridiculous, right? Where there's like, oh, it's, it's we 80s. can live. And you're like, okay, guys, uh, you know. Yeah, there's some scenery. Well, it chewing plays happening. back into that whole slavery thing I was yes. talking about. Before yes, too. yeah, it, yeah. But it's, but yeah, it's, it's it, everybody's big and broad, and it's playing to the back seats. Absolutely, but I kill you dead, Achilles. Uh, next Saturday, I kill I you kill. dead. <laughs> the Fucking that guy is incredible. I was so disappointed to find out he passed away very recently. Yeah, oh, no kidding. And I was like, God, if anybody should. Uh, like, I want to hang out with Paul, Paul Coslo so bad. Well, dude, we can talk about the fucking Omega Man with him, too. Oh, man. I love That's Paul. Right. Paul yeah. Coslo was. It, it, he's incredible. Um, um, so, all right. Robot Jocks is. I like. Came late in my life, by the way. I did not grow up with it. Oh, um, oh it interesting. Was not okay. a movie. I, I assume that this was something that no, you saw in your childhood. No, I think I probably really hit on Robot Jocks in my 30s. No kidding. Yeah, okay. like early 30s, I think. Or maybe, you know, late 20s. But I, I remember kind of going w- just way late in the game. And I just loved it. You know, I, yeah. Immediately from a... a from a, a nerdier perspective of somebody who likes to draw robots. You know, I just yeah. kind of was like, yeah, because the, the robots look fucking awesome in this movie, and they move awesome. The design it, that's is the really thing. cool. And they're yeah, so the design cool. Is cool. The robots like, are very well uh, well designed. So weird um, and cool. And, and, and you know, and the, the suits are so cool. So, the, like, the, the design aspect really spoke to me uh, in my – I wish I could remember exactly when I was like, fucking robot jocks is the best. Like, uh, like, wow! I can't believe I, you know, I love this movie. It yeah, was definitely bef- p- pre Pacific Rim, because I remember when I saw that movie, I was like, "Huh? What? Wait!" Yeah, yeah. So, but it, I watched that movie because I love Pacific Rim. I, I huge fan of that yeah. movie, and I think I remember watching it and thinking it's a vindication of Robot Jocks right. in a way. I'm kind of like. So this is what Robot Jocks could have been like if they had more fucking money. Right. Well, that's the thing. It, I rarely ever say this but it does feel like one of those rare movies that could actually do better as a remake yeah. like it could you know what i mean yeah. I, not not to diminish the original no, you're right. at all give it, give it some money because i don't believe in remaking films that were already great that's just fucking dumb so, and that's yeah. what usually happens Silly. all the time um, yeah but that, no it's sense. been like that in hollywood since the very beginning yeah, right so. of course but remaking movies that weren't you know maybe that not weren't that were good but maybe weren't you know seen to a wide enough audience the crazies. um or or did not have enough money yeah. um in this yeah. case i think and he, with the money that they used Evil i mean too death right. race death race that's starring right. jason Statham. that's and right then you oh get my god luke what's his that's name directed by paul ws anderson yeah 
the real filmmaker of all, the real Paul Anderson. <laughs> the you real one. Fuck. I don't need you. Fuck. A middle initial. <laughs> Jason Statham says, "Fucking Death Race is the ultimate fucking remake, bitch." What? All right, <laughs> guys. Oh my God. All right, that's enough for Robot Jocks. Um. I- I'm glad that you you got to watch it yeah. for the first time, Chris. I'm glad you got to revisit it. Yeah. I love watching this movie. It's it just it fills me with absolute joy. Does Loves. it make you feel cozy, Brandon? Um, I wouldn't. No, it's not a cozy vibe. Okay, good. It's not a cozy vibe. It's Is just it a, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate yes. a pill vibe. You know, yes, okay. gotcha. it took me a second. The other thing I was going to say when I saw it, it took me a second to remember what I saw Anne Marie Johnson in, and this is bringing it back to I'm going to get you, sucker. I told oh, you we're going to talk about it again. Yeah. Candy with the fake plastic butt that falls off takes her Damon Wayne's uh-huh. uh, not Damon Wayne's um, Keenan Ivory Wayne's yeah. takes her home picks up this girl and sh- everything she's got a wig on she's bald yeah. remember that scene yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's Is it Johnson. Johnson yeah wow it's also in the heat of the night the yeah. television series that's right yeah yeah, yeah. she so, went on she went on you so know. I just, thought of her I'm plastic butt falling that's off hilarious. onto the ground. Yeah. And, and what's and you get this and you see her real butt. And you see movie. her butt. Yeah. yeah for all true. you ten year old boys listening. Yeah. <laughs> or ten year old girls. Um right. Woman, you got the devil in you. No. <laughs> Cramps. <That's- laughs> all right, guys. Um, so long. And and Mike in particular, I don't envy you. We've got a great three great movies to yeah. pick here. But it's up to you ultimately to decide what you feel is the perfect pairing for your film Death Race 2000. What's it going to be? Yeah. Let's quote, Did we make our case? Let's quote you, Third Eye Blind. Both... How's it going to be? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, what can I throw Not like that. It's really tough, and I have to, you know, again, this is I'm getting into kind of programmer mode. What Putting these, these two feelings together like these two different films together how do they connect how do they not connect how do they kind of complement each other where maybe there's a little bit of yin and yang yeah you get into all these things this is really tough guys uh robot because both of them would work as they would both make a great pairing um and that's not just me being the guest coming on going you guys pick such great movies <laughs> uh they both work <laughs> Can I just pick both? Um, no, we have that, no, that does happen a lot. Yeah, like, no, no, they're really, really well done. Three However, movies into two if movies I'm, leave. If I'm pulling into the drive-in, yeah, and I see the double bill on the marquee, yes, I, I have to give the edge to Running Man, and yeah. here's why. Um, I think it's because it's got just enough humor. The way I, I think that Robot Jocks is almost playing it too straight, where I think that thematically they work together. But not as well as Running Man does. Um, yeah, I hear you. So it, that's two that is films the that only... are cynical. They're two cynical films. Very, you know, one's more campy, which is of course Death Race two thousand. Yeah, um, but Running Man has the star power that kind of you know, Sylvester it, Stallone in one, Arnold in the you've other. You've got Stallone and Arnold it, too. That's it, a very I, good point. You're right. The 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 pairing makes total sense. It makes perfect I can't, sense. I can't deny it. Now the question is, which order do you? Yes. Put them in. Well, it, has, it, 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 it it does have to start with your film. I Death think Race it does. is the headliner. Yeah. You can't go from 87 to 75. No. No. 
Corman. So yeah, our guest programmed films are always the headliner. Oh, so okay. It's like that kind of makes it, but the, it, the but trickier it works part because it work. You've got to sequence it. Yeah. Does it fit the sequencing yeah. vibe? So, it, but it does. You you would have to show Death Race in that order anyway, regardless yeah. of the rules of this fine show you guys have. Um, <laughs> it it works because it sets the tone of what you're going to see. It's campier. It's sillier, and and then either one of those films, in this case, since I picked Running Man. You have a more serious movie, but you know, you know the real reason why I picked it. Why? Fucking Richard Dawson. Hell yes, yes! <laughs> Richard. Can't fault that Dawson. either. Yeah. Nope. I'm not. Can't argue. There's no argument yeah. there. All right, so we got. Uh, so the double bill name here needs to be what? Um, you know, we'll keep it in the kind of game show vibe, mm-hmm. right? But we're also dystopian, kind of post-apocalyptic. Yep. Maybe we can cheat. I don't know if there's like been an apocalypse or not in these movies but think, we can assume there's been some something. bad shit has gone down yeah, in I all of these yeah i think it's pretty clear yeah so battles battle royale you know like uh, uh like a fight like in a what is it that well, you... we talk about the bread and circuses you know and this all takes place in an arena there you go chris armageddon mm-hmm. armageddon arena there you go all right oh i like that all right that's the marquee Fits Arm- nicely on the marquee too. Yeah. Armageddon Arena. With, it's alliterative. Yes, with the running, uh, with a uh, Death Race two thousand, and then in slightly smaller text because it has to fit on the marquee. Yeah. Uh, the Running Man. That's the double feature. Holy fuck! I, I want to go see it. I want to go see it right now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You guys want to stay up another uh, six hours and watch it? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> What time is it? <laughs> One in the morning. Woo-hoo! A little peek behind the curtain again. <laughs> well, this was awesome. Hey, uh, Mike. What? So, what, where can we? Where do we find you? So, second screen cult cinema. Um, Google us. We're every platform. Twitter. I don't even know if we're still on Twitter. Actually, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Keeping it topical, guys. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I think we're on Spotify. We're on LinkedIn for some reason. Um, you're on Spotify because you're also a DJ. Yeah, that's actually. I've been. Me, I, I'm very much a cinemaphile, same as you guys. But uh, music, I I nerd out even more big um, time. So I've been doing that a while. And like I said, you have I, some great Spotify playlists that I you curate. put a lot of playlists on there. Yeah, I do. I do them for second screen too for certain yeah. movies. So if you want to say listen to the Purple Noon uh, playlist, that's on there. There's yeah. the bird uh, with the crystal plumage. I've got to play playlist yes. for that. Um, I think there's one for Fantastic Planet. There's a few other ones. So yeah, yeah I'm a big fan. Yeah. All all worth checking out. I, I listen to them. I love them. They're always fun to have on at our house. Like it's it's good to have yeah. those musics like, you know, permeating the home. Like I just love it. You you always have like yeah. Thanks. The best so, like, taste uh, of music. Wait, did you say that, like, you, sir. Morricone's the gr- bird with the crystal plumage or Yeah, that's that was Morricone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um and I think on that one I just Put a lot of, of course, you know, yeah. Jallo soundtracks, and um, but I also put in some Italo disco stuff too because that's that stuff's cool. Like the Tenebre theme is fucking awesome. Oh my god, don't even get me fucking uh, started on that theme. God damn when I first it! Saw that movie, I was like, and I, I went, I, I went on this binge of watching every Argento film that I hadn't seen. Yeah, put on Tenebre. If I'm saying the same Tenebre, Tenebre, whatever. Which is tonight? So the isn't fir- it? the the credit sequence. What? Tenebrae takes place during Holy Week. Oh yeah, I think oh. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, oh shit, it's the midnight, that's right. midnight mass where they yeah. throw right. all the candles out. And... But the first five minutes of that movie, when that score kicks in, yeah. 
and there's that sequence of uh, they're following the woman down the street. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that's a yeah, whole great scores, great, oh, yeah, great. Maybe, well, hey, look, I, I would, we, I'm going to speak for Chris on this. We would love to have you come guest program with us again. Yeah, dude, maybe we'll jump blast. into the Giallo stuff sometime. Maybe I would love to you, do that. You know, um, this has been a ton of fun, guys. Thank you. It was fun. I love. Thanks it. for being here. Man. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Um, I really appreciate it, man. Um, well, thanks, Mike. Uh, hey, guys, that wraps up another episode of Dead City Driving. Again, thank you so much, Mike Martz. Hey, hey, thank you. And once again, I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting murdered. For more Dead City Drive-In content, head over to patreon.com slash deadcitydrive to get episodes ad-free, monthly bonus episodes, and feature-length commentaries chosen by you, the Dead City Denizens. That's patreon.com slash deadcitydrive-in. Want to have words with the management? Email us at deadcitydrive-in at gmail.com. And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen. Dead City Drive-In. Under 17, not admitted without parent.